0: this is space cats peace turtles the unofficial podcast for fantasy flights twilight imperium episode 77 the road to the final music by ben prunty featuring matt martins and hunter donaldson
1: So welcome to a very professional podcast that you have been listening to, well, you know, for forever, right? (laughs) Uh, We have a huge, uh, I mean, it's not really an announcement because uh, hopefully you've known, but we just need to start this the right way and say that if you're listening to this the week it comes out, this Saturday, the finals of the space, the first Yep. And probably only. Yep. But definitely the first. Yep. Space Cats Peace Turtles Patreon tournament. Yep.
0: Yep. yep.
1: Is ending. Yep. We have 6 players yep. and only one of them is going to win. Yeah. And 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 you can watch this. Mm-hmm. The game starts uh at 2:30 Central uh, American. Central American standard, time until daylight time, I guess. What twelve thirty Pacific? Yep, and then four
0: 4- thirty that means for Eastern.
1: Other I know it's morning in
0: Australia because of Mage. It's the only reason it's happening this late. So, and I think that means weird things for Europe. Uh, Europe, you might catch if you wake up early, you can catch the end of the game. I think
1: is what that means. Right. Four, oh, four th- or three thirty Eastern. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's right. Three 3- yeah, thirty 3:30 Eastern. Eastern. But. Um, uh, and so we will be streaming it on Twitch. Um, like we did the very final knockout game. Um, yep. I can promise that myself will be there. Uh, EJ will be there. We will be drinking. Uh, it will be a, a no advice stream. Yeah. That's a very important. Dumb stream. Actually. Yeah. You'll
0: straight up get banned out of chat. You'll be like putting time out. If you give like what is deemed excessive advice.
1: Right. I I will delete it. Uh, if you try and kind of play for the players. Uh, yeah. Uh, reacting to what's going on obviously super fine like even even i think giving your take on it right um but if you're basically trying to tell the players how to play or like give them any kind of knowledge that they you know probably shouldn't have or just even yeah like the the point here
0: being the players won't be watching the stream they're not supposed to it's a little bit of an honor system thing. So we right. don't want to give them any information they would get. The stream will not have any hand information. You won't know right. anybody's secrets, you won't know anybody's action cards, and you won't hear any of our commentary from Root and I. The uh the video that we've been releasing, all the videos that we've been putting on our YouTube page, that'll come out a couple days, you know, hopefully within Three days, uh, we'll have the finals video on our YouTube page. Right. Um, but the Twitch is a way for everyone to get hyped about it, come and hang out, and and just enjoy it and have a watch party with Hunter and EJ.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just going to be a goofy watch party. Um, I will say this: so kickoff for the game uh, is that that time we just gave you two thirty central, twelve thirty Pacific, um, three thirty Eastern but uh i'm gonna go ahead and say that i'm committed to starting about an hour early so there will be a, a bit of a pre-show yeah. of uh probably me and ej and matt and root kind of hanging out talking about the game maybe basically recording a little impromptu podcast before yeah. Yeah. talking about um you know just giving kind of hot takes as uh, as the game starts um and I mean, you know, t- tune in for that if you're interested. Uh, but I, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna wake up like it's Christmas, basically, <laughs> and just be so excited yeah. to be at the end of this really giant, giant, yeah, really giant undertaking that we both set out to do.
0: We've, but- we've been working on this tournament really since we left Gen Con, but especially since October of 2018. That's how long yeah. we've been actively. Putting time and effort in, and this it's tournament. about to be, and it's almost done. <laughs> it's about to be done, and that the is so line wild. Is there. It's funny because there will be one winner of the tournament, but there will be two more winners right here at home. Right,
1: right. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Me, me, and Matt are going to give ourselves trophies yeah. um, for sure. Um, so, what are we doing today, Matt? We we have this huge thing happening this Saturday.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Two yep. thirty Central. Today, twelve thirty Pacific. We got to give three thirty Eastern. <laughs> I, got want, it. <laughs> I want people to watch. <laughs> Today's the roadmap. Today's the roadmap to the finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've got to... Uh, we're not really going to go... like We've been doing recaps of all the games, right? You can right. listen to all these previous episodes, and you can kind of figure out where these players are coming from. But we want to dial in to each player today. And to do that, we actually sat down with each of these players individually, right. and we talked through their play styles. We wanted to get a better idea of how these players approach the game, so that we can know a little bit better about what to look out for when we're watching this finals game, right? With, right. with all these other games, it's just been like, I don't know, it's, a, it's 108 people played in this tournament. That's how many people we watched play TI. I didn't right. get to dive in deep into each person's psyche, but this is like our opportunity to do that. We've seen multiple games out of each of these players, mm-hmm. and we can talk to them about why they made certain decisions and how they think about trying to win what what do they what what is a what does a win look like for them so that's going to be what today is we're going to kind of bounce back and forth we're going to let you hear the interviews that we did with these players and then hunter and i are going to uh kind of try this thing of basically we're going to spell out what each player's victory would look like like if Mm -hmm. so and so wins based on their play style, what, what does their win probably look like? What is what is the ideal circumstances for them to
1: win? Yeah, I th- and I think it's a lot of just kind of using their own words and being being charitable to their play style and just saying, like, what is what does... If Saturday is a good day for them, what does that typically look like for this player when it's a right. good day for them? And not right. it just simply like, oh, they won because they got 10 points or right. whatever. But, no. like, um, so we're going to do that and maybe throw in, like, one little... Like not not necessarily a salty uh, idea, more of a just like what what does it look like if they lose? Just right. a little bit of that. Um, what's their
0: what's their Achilles heel? Maybe right or, or just well, uh, is, it's, where, it's, where, where where's something fall apart for them?
1: And I think a lot of it will be obvious. We'll 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 say you know like what what a good day for them is. And then a lot of times, if you say what a good day is, it's pretty obvious what a bad yeah, day looks yeah, like, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. If you say a good day is the sun is shining, then I assume a bad day is that it isn't. <laughs> There's um, no more sun, and it's gone, but and we're all frozen. But really, that's just the me and Matt stuff, and whatever. You get that all the time. You don't care. What's great about this episode is I, that we have six special guests um, yeah. on it. You're going to you're gonna hear from uh, each of them. And do we want to go ahead and get into the very first I do, very first so one.
0: badly, because this is already going to be a long... This, you're in for a long ride, folks. So let's go ahead and uh, go to our first one, uh, which is going to be uh, our player Vaunt.
1: Right. Let's go
0: to Matt and Vaunt. All right. And we are now joined with Vaunt. Vaunt, say hello to the to the listeners.
2: Hello, world.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Vaunt, I want to dive right into it with you because... Uh, because you're a straight shooter, and I feel like I have to match that level. I got to be a straight <laughs> shooter right there with you. So, Absolutely. if anybody's watched your games, they'll know you are just a very, very clear communicator. Um, and and you were kind of telling me, uh, what what did you what did you go to school for? Ah, um, what, my what's major. Your, what's your training in? Sure,
2: sure. My my official training is in international political economy and diplomacy.
0: If that ain't the most ti stuff i've ever heard in my whole life i don't know what is that i mean I've, i just feel like no one has we like so nine of spades used to be a professional poker player and i was like mm-hmm. oh wow that's really well suited but hearing that from you is like oh that makes like all the sense in the world especially for the kind of player you are because i would certainly define you as a diplomatic player and and i would use that in opposition to any sort of definition of like political or or like meta game-y. i don't think you try to get in people's heads in the way that you know we we kind of categorize someone like schroeder is doing or just more importantly you're not trying to you, you never use subterfuge or anything like that against your opponents what i see you always doing is you come to the table you you are ready to negotiate with them in all instances and see what you can get out of every single moment within the game. Do you, do, is that kind of a fair assessment of how you a, approach TI? Uh,
2: it's a reasonably fair assessment. Uh, the only thing I want to say is that, it, that you get a lot more profit out of being polite. Right? It doesn't yeah. really cost me anything to ask nicely and say, oh, I'm intending to uh, take that system that belongs to you. Uh, if they are willing to make me an offer that's worth more than what I was going to get out of it, of course I'll take that counter deal instead.
0: Right. right. But that politeness is not honor right i mean we've seen plenty of players who are like i never break a single deal ever and i I hold true to that and you can always trust that i'm going to hold true on any of my non-binding deals but i feel like we've seen you break plenty of non-binding deals so politeness is not the same as honor for you you're you're happy to break a deal
2: uh, but it, so it, the but only, the deal. only caveat I have is that whenever I would break a deal, it would be in contention with keeping the deal for any future potential deals of value right. that could be made out there. Of course. Of course. Yeah.
0: As as long as it is max of maximum benefit to break the deal, then you might consider breaking the deal. But even then you present your case to the opponent that you might be breaking the deal with. You always give them an out. I've noticed. And more importantly, uh, it seems like you always, uh, I've never seen you, uh, activate someone's system without telling you you're going to activate it first. Can you explain what, what the purpose of that is uh, in, in, in why you... I mean, not once have you ever activated someone's systems before giving them a chance to talk about it.
2: I mean, well, what does it cost me? You know, like, if I activate the system, there's no more discussion that can occur. It's done. It's locked in. But if I say, oh, uh, you have a very undefended planet over there, I'm intending to take it. And I give them the opportunity to make a counteroffer, It could give me, as I said, more than what I was going to get before or even my desires out of it. If they offer me support for the throne, trade goods, whatever, then that's that's valuable. And it didn't cost me the the command counter. Um, But fundamentally, it's about extracting that value and potential opportunity for collusion that I'm really looking for.
0: Yeah. Do you do you feel like you as a player um, miss out on anything because you aren't? Sneakier, I guess. Um, so, I, I wonder if you're jealous of players that are sneaky or if you see that you're getting a leg up on them.
2: Um, I do not feel jealous because, <laughs> in my opinion, the sneakiness that they do may give them temporary short term advantages, which of course can compound as the game goes on. But if you're forthright about what you're asking for and what you're willing to offer, it really cuts through a lot of um, concern people may have. And so, if there's a tiebreaker or they want to deal, forthright with some button they'll point to me as opposed to this treacherous snake on the other side um yeah and that's really the best defense is i don't even have to defend they they willingly work with me instead
0: right right and we've seen that in action i mean we have seen plays in, in the tournament where because you were constantly like hey i'm thinking about activating your system what do you what do you think about that we've seen people essentially return that that favor. I, I mean, there are players where I would have expected them to just jump on a system of yours because it had the tech skip they needed or whatever it was. But instead they go, you know, this is Vaughn. I should, you know, I kind of owe it to him to, to see what he'll, if anything, it's not just uh, because they know you're nice. It seems like it's because they know you're always willing to see that there could be a counter offer. They, you offered them the opportunity for a counter offer. They might as well offer you the opportunity for a counter offer because they, they know you're not blind to that opportunity.
2: Exactly. It's the diplomatic mirroring so they'll respect me the same way I respect them. And right. it's true, like, um, by doing it the first time, how many other times will I get that profit back towards me later on? Where if I was underhanded, they'd be like, that snake, I'm just going to step on him and, you know, crush him down without listening yeah. to any of those filthy lies he may be trying to spew.
0: <laughs> it feels like if Hunter were here, he would be would be calling me out for, like, being so into the strategy because he knows... That you would walk all over. I mean, you would just like wipe my face in the mud with that strategy because that's all I am—is a slimy, no-good backstabber. See, but the thing is, like,
2: if you're a backstabber, (laughs) I can deal with you. I understand that because I'll be ready for your inevitable betrayal as well. Right,
0: right. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, In in your two games, uh, you were in the prelims and then you won your semis game. Um, The the prelims game I would define by huge early game. And then obviously a devastating loss on an agenda in kind of the mid to late game. But then you managed to hold on. And it was a little bit of like convenient objectives for what you had already done. But I, I made special note of you did the hardest objectives first. in your Oh, absolutely. Game, you were the only player who had done tech skips and traits already. So, of course, all you have to do is coast on resources and trade goods and influence and all that stuff. Um, and your, your semis game was almost kind of the the opposite story you you were necro and you decided not to score points in the first round or two uh and and opted to like really build up this scary bubble around your your pie slice i mean you took both equidistance you were getting tech left and right and once again the the objectives seemed to um reward you but more importantly i don't know what objectives you wouldn't have been able to score in the late game of your semis game because by round three, you had already started to like, balloon out of control. Um, so for, for you, what is like, the key difference between those games, and how did you adjust your play style depending on those games? But then also, what do you think was like, the most consistent thing between those two games? What was just like, purely Vaunt, and why did Vaunt win those two games, even though they had a very different storyline to them?
2: Interesting. So from my point of view, I consider both games to be the same execution of the same strategy. Right. So uh, to break it down, the first game, um, uh, being barony and getting everything I had and everything I wanted, the core idea is you take care of the hard stuff first so that you don't have to scrabble for it at the end, That's and then you try to build your overwhelming might. Uh, even though I got cut down for it, and I was able to still crawl to the finish line. But when I was a Necro, in the same way, just in a different direction, um, establishing that overwhelming might so that I could execute and get the objectives with impunity was yeah. basically what I was trying to do. Um, the only other thing to call out about the um, second game was because my neighbor was Jolnar, um, right. and he was doing some crazy things, I was hyper, yes. <laughs> hyper paranoid that I had to be the one to defeat him. Um, right. Which means I had to make the choice early on to not get some of those objectives, but instead focus on abort position, So I could have the resources to not only hold off any treachery from Nalu or Jolnar's Mm cat's paw or whatever, but also be able to crush Jolnar when he inevitably betrays me. Right.
0: Well, and and you you really showcase that by, I mean, you you and Nalu did a pretty early support for the throne. I think Nalu... Incentivized to do it because they saw how big your footprint was getting, and went, yes. you know what? I don't need to be no. In fact, up against this, that's person. the exact
2: point. He offered me the swap, and I'm yes, like, oh, exactly. Oh, then that's fine. I'll accept yeah. that and,
0: deal. And and you had already sort of been establishing a foothold in Jolnar's slice, and because Jolnar was kind of off gallivanting in Barony's home system, mm-hmm. it it gave you the time that you needed to secure I don't want to say dominance over Jolnar but but secure that position of like hey you're not going to get away with anything now I'm like all up in in your slice and 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 I think that was yeah it was really it was a good read of the situation more than anything and I think I think you do more than a lot of players um not that I mean there's been plenty plenty of players in the the semis that do this but you do like to take your time when it is necessary right I mean you, you will sit there and uh plot out you're like me in the sense of you'll sit for like five or so minutes and then pass, right? Because you need to exhaust all possible options and then go, actually, passing is the smartest thing right
2: now. So the only thing I want to call, about, call out about that situation is that um, I play chess, so I am mm-hmm. very comfortable with the clock running and yeah. using it as a resource. Right. Um, right. But on the same time, I don't like wasting time and being sure. paralyzed by inaction. So right. I want to be adroit and I want to be um quick to choose but choosing correctly. Right.
0: Yeah, well and it's and it, that that time management thing is something important too because you you use that time in only the moments that are necessary. Uh similar to other people, you know, we're talking about the meta play, uh, you know, we never see you making long-winded deals. You you come to the table, o- honestly most of the time you come to the table and saying what do you want, and you, you it seems like you always let your opponent make an offer before you suggest anything you're wanting to get out of the deal would you Is that something you employ like intentionally or um, do, do you think uh, it's just kind of a happenstance?
2: Um, well, I mean, usually I'm clear, I want this, uh, and I say that's usually open is I'm looking to get some trade goods or I'm looking to take the system, and then I let them make their counter argument
0: yeah and, and it seems like uh, plenty of times you end up getting maybe more than you even expected it out of it, which is is great. Um, But then more importantly, uh, in situations where they don't offer up what you want, you are lightning fast at being like, oh, no, 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 sorry, okay, my deepest apologies. No, 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 I didn't mean, you know, if if, if you were going to activate someone's system and they were like, I'm going to throw my game and, and, you know, do everything I can to hurt you, you're like, oh, well then, huh, why would I even consider it? You know, you, you immediately get back on their good graces, and, and I think that's kind of a, a fascinating, again, diplomatic uh, approach to those situations.
2: Um, so it absolutely is a sense that why would I want to engender uh, animosity towards me for no particular reason. Right. Like yeah. I feel that some people make plays that may tactically give them what they want but hurt them overall in the long mm-hmm. run far more than taking the planet was worth. Right. Um, right. So yeah.
0: Well awesome. this has been super enlightening. I love I love hearing how you how you think about kind of just the board presence and everything. And I want to I want to thank you so much for, for joining us on the show today. Absolutely. So I loved that conversation with yeah. Vaunt um, mm-hmm. because here's the interesting thing about Vaunt, and you'll hear this if you go back and watch his prelims game. You'll hear me pretty audibly like not being that impressed with his play. Right. I think I think from an outside perspective, Vaunt doesn't look like an incredibly talented player mm-hmm. because the things that Vaunt is doing, Vaunt is a pretty social player. He's a, he's fairly meta, not dependent, but like he is a part of the meta and when vaunt wins it looks like he got lucky all game right but the thing is we've seen two games where he looked incredibly lucky and it's kind of like really did he just get that lucky twice or did he do really good meta manipulation to steer people in different directions and get good deals vaunt is the kind of player who he's a trained diplomat like that is, right. his whole thing <laughs> he, he knows what he's doing when he's talking to other people he went to school for it uh so we we saw Vaunt win as the Barony Letnev with a huge, basically, runaway victory that even though he had a disastrous agenda, he still climbed back from it. And a Necro win that was just like, he's unstoppable in the late mm-hmm. game. There's nothing mm-hmm. you can do to touch him. Um, so to me, if we're going to make this case for like, what does a Vaunt victory look like? And, and not just basing off of exactly what we've seen. A, a Vaunt victory is him slowly accruing the better end of multiple deals. Most of them for positional advantage, right? Sure, he does a little bit of trade, good wheeling and dealing, but more than anything, what he's doing is trying to offer up like, I want to help you get this point so that I can get this point, and he comes by it incredibly honestly. But his honesty is very different than his honor. He ha- he doesn't he will break a deal, but he's very open about, hey, uh, I just want to let you know I'm going to be breaking this deal now, uh, so. I like Buckle using up. the word
1: openness to describe it. Uh, yeah. Because he is a diplomat, I think he understands what it, that, that you do have to approach the table with a, right. with a kind of honesty and openness. Right. As um,
0: he said this numerous times in the interview, but it's, it's like, there's like there's no cost to being open. Right. There's no right. cost to that. You don't lose anything by
1: being open. Right. You don't um, have to spend a CC or anything. <laughs> right. Uh, the, the, the nugget I have for this based off uh, watching the games and, and talking with Matt is that Vaunt's win will look like teamwork. Yes. Um, and that team, I hope you could hear the air quotes that I was putting <laughs> around teamwork because it, it, it's teamwork, but then Vaunt wins. Right, basically. Right, right. And,
0: and to the other players, they'll be like, oh, I guess Vaunt got lucky. But it's like, it, it will look like luck and teamwork. Whereas it was like, no, that was Vaunt the entire game controlling the situation. So the flip side of that question then is, where does this fall apart? Now, the problem is we haven't seen Vaunt lose a game yet. He's one of our, you know, one, one of our right. semi-finalists winners, rather than going into a knockout round. Um, so we have to sort of make assumptions about what a loss for Vaunt would Looks look like. Because like. we haven't uh, seen it. <laughs> right. So I, I think more than anything, it's him being unable to convince a, a risk taker to turn their sights elsewhere, right? A lot of his play is being being nice to someone, getting getting them what they want and what they need. And if some player was just like, I don't actually want to make any more deals with you, I just want to take from you and you can't convince me not to activate your system, that's where I think his play will will fall apart and he'll you know, he'll just start having stuff taken from him and he won't have a strong,
1: rebuttal against that right it's if if he doesn't have any leverage in the negotiations and if his diplomacy does not work yeah um then yeah essentially i think if 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 the it's it's i think more of a how do the players feel about vaunt yeah basically
0: it's to me it's the, the you lay it you play it rule with command counters is very important to vaunt Vaunt does not want you to lay that command counter down more than right. anything else. He will do anything he can to make you not activate his stuff. But if we have a player who's just like, nope, going there, doing it, and just drops it right away, right? He doesn't usually. It, it doesn't seem like that's in his bag of tricks of like how to how to respond to that.
1: Right. Well, that's that's interesting. Uh, do, wh- who do we have next, Matt?
0: Uh, you talked to unaligned magi.
1: I talked to unaligned magi. 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 So I am here with Unaligned Magi, and I've got all my Magi gear on. <laughs> um, I've got my little Magi helmet. Um, I've got my foam finger. I'm excited. This is the, the moment of my life to be here with you today. Um, Magi, what's, uh, tell everybody your first name. Reveal, reveal yourself a
3: little. Uh, my first name is Paul.
1: Paul, and what what a uh, what do you do, Paul?
3: I am a software developer.
1: Software developer, and what's uh you have a a bit of a history with board games of this type? Not just Twilight Imperium is not your first uh, your first horse, as they say. That is a that is a phrase I'm coining right now. Your first horse?
3: Yeah, I, uh, A couple of years ago I was kind of tired of playing video games, and I got pretty heavily into board games. Um, played a lot of strategy games, but I got real into Eclipse uh, before I before I'd ever played TI, and uh, played in some tournaments at GenCon. Then I discovered the light of TI, and at first I I hated the RNG, but I've I've come to embrace it. So,
1: that's great. Uh, what I have actually never played Eclipse, and I'm curious, what do like as far as the Eclipse uh, culture is concerned, what do they think of TI? Are there people that are kind of like the, that game is you know overly complicated or like i 'm not really sure what the critique would be
3: yeah every, i I've found that pretty much every eclipse player who plays eclipse a lot either loves or hates bi um, yeah it's it's a game where you can it has Rng but you can mitigate all of it there's there's no aspect of the Rng that you can't almost reduce to zero and I think that's mm. what a lot of that's that's when I when I was first playing eclipse and then I was Tried out Ti, I was like, "Oh my gosh, the best ship is a dreadnought hitting on a five. Like that's only a sixty percent chance to hit. That's, right? That's not right. very good, but
1: right. Yeah, that's that's not very that's not super reassuring as far as RNG yeah. is concerned. Uh, that's an interesting way to put it. That that actually uh, makes uh, Eclipse sound a little bit intriguing for me. So maybe uh, we'll completely quit talking about Twilight Imperium after this. Uh, <laughs> and just talk about, well, maybe we'll just be in a clip show. I think everybody would love that, right? <laughs> they would just be like, oh, great. We're just going to turn the ship around and go wherever we want to with this. Um, yeah. So, Paul, watching watching your games uh, in preparation for this big uh, kind of finals uh, round, I the thing I feel like I've noticed about you is y- you don't really make a lot of mistakes, and you, you are very... Um, it feels like you're very specific um, and you always, it always feels like you have a very, uh, you have your eye kind of on like leverage it feels, but how would, how would you describe your style as a Twilight Imperium player?
3: I would say I, I don't like to take chances. I like to kind of plan my whole round out and know, okay, unless someone hits me really hard Everything is going to go the way I want it to go, you know. I I pick one public objective, I say that is the objective I'm going to score, I I look at how many tactics and strategy counters I have, how many I can buy and say okay, I need to figure out exactly what strategies, secondaries I'm going to do, everything Mm -hmm. else goes into tactics unless I need to up my fleet supply, plan all that out ahead of time and then just kind of execute the plan.
1: Yeah. You're you're very uh, like methodical. I feel like would be a good descriptor for like your style of play. Um, I also feel like you kind of have a a very specific view of like the value of 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 certain uh, of the economy of TI um, and also the trade strategy card. Could you talk a little bit about that for me?
3: Yeah. So, in I've I've looked a lot at planet values and strategy card values, what what you're really getting out of them. Because I I noticed that once I was playing with a lot of players who play a lot, uh, leadership, warfare, tech, and trade are kind of always the first four picks. Mm -hmm. And then the fifth player goes, well, I guess I'll take politics because I don't want last pick next round. And then the sixth player goes, well, I guess I'll take construction. And there's always a question like, why? Why is that happening? And in my mind, those, those first four picks all kind of have the same value, but trade has the potential to really go beyond that. You can mm-hmm. curry favor with other players and, and be owed favors. You can, get up the, you can use those trade goods to build ships or research tech or buy command counters, whatever you really need it for when the time comes. And then almost half the objectives are, public objectives anyway, are spend stuff. So trade goods are just fantastic to have, and they can even be banked. I just, I really like that flexibility and that, that ability to, no matter what's happening, I can kind of mitigate the, the, the situation.
1: Right, right. Uh, well, that's it's interesting because I feel like a lot of the, not a lot, but, but a, a higher portion of the players in the finals have more of a kind of deal-making slant to them. And it's interesting that you say that, that you're into trade. What do you feel like your like kind of philosophy or stance on like de- making deals or excessive deal making as you, as you might see it or as I might even see it sometimes. Uh, how do you feel about that that type of meta?
3: Yeah, so I always I always want to have the upper hand. I want to be dictating the terms and I don't <laughs> want someone else to be able to say, well, if you don't do this, I can make your life difficult. Right. I want to come to the table and say, "Here's the deal: you can accept it or you or you don't." And them to go well. If I don't, he can really put the hurt on me. And typically, I build I build a lot of ships at, in the first round of the game. Sometimes even the second round of the game, just to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm in that position where you don't you don't want them to be like terrified of you, but you want them to always have it in the back of their mind that he. he you know the the other person is stronger, and if you don't do what they want, they they could hurt you. Right. And right. it just it just comes down to if you're in the position of power, you can always you can always just be like, hey, three for three trade, and you want to trade support for the friends. I like I like the I like to build up a lot of plastic on the board, and then go, okay, who am I going to hurt and who am I going to be friends with? Support swap with one player hurt the other one, take their play and score my objectives and stuff like that.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I I think in watching you play, I, I almost feel like I want to take a look at the factions again to kind of say which ones can really like play to that to that spirit, basically. Um, because I think being, me and Matt have really come into the game from a perspective of, just kind of wildly chasing after objectives in the early to mid game. And I feel like in watching you play and and a couple other uh, players in the tournament, uh, there's a real emphasis on like leverage being like one of the more important aspects of the game. And I feel like you are a player that, uh, that prioritizes having leverage over some of the other players. Um, What do you feel like in the tournament thus far has been like, Either the most difficult choice that you've had to make, or like the best example of like you as a player.
3: Um, I would say in in the prelims game, I had Sardak to my left. Mm-hmm. I I yeah, I, I took trade four times, but right. that's that I don't crazy. usually I don't usually do that. Uh, mm-hmm. But you don't.
1: Nobody normally gets to do that. That's <laughs> what you should be saying.
3: But round three, I had political stability, so I was able to kind of right. force it, but. Um, in that game, I I was taking trade to make sure because I had I was playing that guy I had Sardak to my left, and in an even fight Sardak wins. And to my right I had Yin, and Yin can indoctrinate and it's gonna make it's gonna make taking their planets really difficult. Um, right. But I I was trading with Sardak a lot to to kind of stay friends, but I waited for him to leave the system in front of his home open, and I waited until then to jump on him. I didn't I didn't want it he had a lot of ships in his home system. We had a lot in, in ring one. I don't like even fights. I want when I go into the fight to just hold smash and take right. take what I'm gonna take and then when they counterattack they've already lost some plastic, especially if if you have more ships than them and then you destroy some of their ships, your your advantage kind of gets amplified by that. So mm-hmm. I, I guess that... And then I, I jumped on Yin also and blockaded his home system when I had the chance. But,
4: but yeah,
1: I would say your game was uh, very, very crazy, uh, especially uh, you taking trade as many times as you did. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen someone pull that off. And also, I, I have I have a lot of respect for people that play political stability in like the early to mid game uh, and being able to say, like I'm going to use this as an advantage at this point in the game instead of... I think a lot of people bank it towards the end, and it is a very sabotageable card, um, so I really uh, have a lot of respect for that play. Um, yeah.
3: The situation was I was going to be last pick, so I said, oh, I'll keep trade rather right. than the last pick, so.
1: Right. Um, how would you describe your semis game as far as, like, how it went and how you felt about it? I know you were playing a faction that wasn't necessarily your first pick or even that you prefer. You were playing as the extra Yeah. semis game.
3: Yeah. extra, is at least... A lot of people say is a very defensive faction and I'm not I don't usually go the PDS route I usually go like Dreadnought heavy mm-hmm. kind of play I, I like to just put a lot of ships on the board and, and be able to go out and grab planets if I need them but also be able to defend at home and and getting the X-jaw pick really threw me and I, I I honestly felt when that game started I was like oh man I probably lost this because I never win as X-jaw I never
1: right right
3: I never know how to really sell the quash and all that, but uh, that that flank speed draw off politics helped a lot. And a, a trade object, the the five, spend five trade goods came up round one, so I said, "Well, all right, I'm just going to shoot for that. I'm just going to keep score public and solidify solidify my slice, get PDFs down, make it make it seem too costly to to attack me, so that other people can fight amongst each other." Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and we'll
1: just leave me alone. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you did uh, you did get a first round uh, trade pick off too, which is <laughs> it's it's crazy. You had a last uh, round oh, wait. trade. You were uh, you were a speaker. That's what it was. So right. you were a speaker in that game. So you're able to get that. But yeah, that's uh, I I don't know. You you have a lot of you have a lot of really good ideas about uh, Twilight Imperium. I think me and Matt specifically of of all the players, I feel like we have the show has the longest history with you. I was actually looking up, like, uh, when you started giving us errata, which is interesting that the, <laughs> the record, as far as like keeping track of like, how long have we been talking to some of these people? Is them being like, you're wrong about this. And like, that's that's it. Like, that's, that's all we have yeah. to measure it. But I mean, you have been contributing to this show uh, since at least like the 10th episode, maybe like the ninth episode even.
3: Yeah, um, I re- I remember your BGG post. I think when episode two was out. So, wow.
1: Well, yeah. So I mean, I of everyone that has gone into the finals, I think we have just seen your name for uh, the longest. Uh, I think it's like basically you, uh, or if uh, if Jim Bob had made it through, that Jim Bob has basically been talking to us since since day one, uh, yeah. since the first post. But uh, but I'm. I just want to say that I'm, I'm really excited uh, to have you in the finals. Uh, I'm going to be really excited to watch your play. And uh, this is, this is all super great. And I just want to thank you for everything that you've kind of contributed to this show uh, and for, for playing in this. And I'm uh, super
3: excited. Awesome. Me too. I i can't wait.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be great. Everybody keep your eye on this guy because uh, it's, you you kind of are you're you're quite infamous uh, at this point <laughs> within the tournament um and i feel like we have kind of stoked that fire a little bit yeah. i do kind of want to apologize for that because it, it does feel kind of it, it is a little bit put on at this point because it's it's twilight imperium so like who knows what's going to happen basically it's like what you were saying before like there there's a huge rng factor to this game like yeah. a giant RNG factor, which kind of makes the whole idea of a tournament a little bit questionable. Um, but uh, it it has been uh, very fun, and and at least I will say this to the credit of the RNG. Um, I feel like we could have predicted that. You know, there were there were some people we had our eyes on uh, as far as like you. This person will probably make it to the finals, and you were certainly one of those people, and you have made it. So that is that's that's one thing to say to the rng right there
3: yeah yeah there is there were definitely a lot of a lot of players it's like yeah these guys are definitely going to get into the semis at least they're going to mm-hmm. get through their qualifier and then when they were playing the game i was just like oh, i'll i'll hear in six hours that oh yeah I won.
1: right right
3: there's a lot of good players um I'm, I'm, I'm excited yeah yeah
1: it's going to be super fun well uh I think I think that'll do it. But uh, thank you so much, dude, for uh, for talking with me today. This is this is awesome. Uh, so I really enjoyed that uh conversation uh with Magi, and just just to kind of uh, I I feel like me and Magi actually talked for a lot longer than even that clip, uh, just about all kinds of stuff. Uh, it was kind of fun to uh, to pick his brain. Yeah. Um, but. If we're talking about what does it look like if Unaligned Magi uh, wins, well, what? It looks like every other day, right? Uh, No, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Looks like Uh, Tuesday
0: to me, boys. uh,
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, if Magi wins, it just looks like a Tuesday. Um, No, uh, I feel like Magi's philosophy that he kind of laid out there a little bit is... uh, He didn't really put it this way, uh, maybe because I feel like maybe he would in describing his play style, I guarantee that that he might have some clarifications for this but how i would describe it is he wants to make sure he can win space risk first uh-huh. right. so we so we make sure that we have plastic advantage yep. uh, economic advantage right. he wants to have more of all the things he's right. tallied up all the things yep. and if he has more of them then he should win now he uh, knows
0: that that's not where his win stops he doesn't think he just wins by winning space risk right but he of course, knows of course he wins he, once he once he gets space risk out of the way now he can move on to winning the game
1: right if if you can get the advantage if you can get the leverage on the other players um then that should carry him through to the end of the game uh magi is also another player that we have not seen lose right um we have seen him win uh decisively in his prelims game uh right. as necro taking and i mean we did i we did talk about it in the clip, but it still is crazy to me getting uh trade four times in the yep. it's was completely nuts. Um and then uh he also played as extra in the semis, which I he was not too thrilled about right. um, to play extra. And I feel like the the key with Magi is that that getting this plastic advantage um, and getting a currency advantage is something that some factions are better at, and some yes. factions are not as good at. Right. And so I feel like um, for a lot of these players, this is not just true of magi. For a lot of these players, the draft is very important. I mean, we've already got you know a couple players that I think are going to be eyeing a lot of the same yeah factions, factions and yeah. <laughs> not only just factions but strategy cards and like right. there's going to be a lot of competition for. You know, there's not, regardless of how we might make it seem in this uh, episode, there are not a million different styles of TI out there, and there are some predominant theories of what right. is good. Right. Um, so I wonder how the draft will play out for Magi and how that will feed into his overall um, style. I think there are certain factions, I'm not necessarily going to name them, but I think there are certain factions that if Magi gets them, his percentage chance in the betting market of my yeah. brain to win sure. the game goes up. Uh depending on what faction he gets stuck with. I mean we have seen him in a situation where he got stuck with a faction that was not necessarily his style and he did yep. win. Yes. Um, but it should be noted, and this it, isn't and to it,
0: dog on Magi, right. he won in that game because Seven made a horrible mistake that cost him the win. Oh well Magi I, was Magi
1: was not going to win that game. Well, I mean someone was going to win it before him. Uh, yeah. essentially. So he was he was in the rafters. Because I, I feel like we're also gonna talk about that idea with another player sure. um, yep. coming up yep, very yep, yep. soon of being uh, kind of not necessarily the leader of the pack, but the person that's going to win if so-and-so loses. Right. Um, but, but my point being, though, in his case, it wasn't just that so-and-so
0: lost. It's that so-and-so really truly was supposed to win and right, then right. made a pretty... Big error. <laughs>
1: yeah, there, there is a difference between a, another player getting uh, stopped, getting stopped by the by the table, and then uh, the player. And we'll just—I mean, it was seven. Seven stopped himself. Seven stopped winning. himself with uh, production biomes. Um, and I don't know. I'm I'm really excited to see uh, how it plays out. I think I think Magi's approach, yeah, is is really going to have a lot to do with just having higher numbers and all of these things. So I yep. I think him not winning is dependent on him not getting those advantages if he right. if he doesn't get find himself with the plastic right. uh, leverage or the economic well, and, advantages and just knowing magi from the
0: discord and how much kind of pressure he puts on himself of like he really thinks through these things beforehand uh we're not releasing the map beforehand these players will be seeing the map for the very first time when the game starts right uh which is, as someone else has pointed out, I mean that's how normal Ti is. That's that's
1: what Ti is supposed <laughs> right, to be so like. They're going to play a regular game, <laughs> but for our
0: tournament, it is different. And the draft feeds into that. You don't also normally have a draft when you do a normal build, so that you know these things build off of each other. And I think Magi is a little bit more dependent on the draft than other players because he really is hoping to be able to play his most efficient. And these things that throw him off guard, those could be disastrous. If he if he ends up in a slice. That is not suitable to his play style. I don't know if Magi like can completely go into a new strategy. Right? I don't. I don't. I haven't seen him do that yet. I've seen Magi win when he's playing his game. Sure. And so I wonder if he has a completely if he's in a faction he's not comfortable with and a slice he's not used to. Does you know? Is that too much? That's that's kind of my question to look out for.
1: I mean, I mean, I think my counter to you would would be the 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 extra game. I, sure, I know. Sure. I because it's not simply just that that seven messed up and then that's how sure. Magi won. magi the, did all the things right but and the then...
0: thing the thing that's different though there is extra is also like d- defensive i'm thinking of i wonder how magi does with ghosts or mentak or something like that where those don't feel like magi style much at all
1: yeah i mean we'll, so we'll see we'll see um who do we have next matthew uh, i sat down with Janor.
0: All right, we got another player. I'm here with Janor. Janor, say hey. Hey. How is it going?
4: I'm pretty good.
0: Good. Uh, so we're we're, we're today we're breaking down uh play styles and, and just trying to figure out. I'm trying to learn who's Janor. Uh, <laughs> and something you pointed out to me before this is that you're you're in you're in Chicago and you you play in real life with fellow finalist Schroeder. That's right? true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. How, did you guys play TI3 together, or did you did you start with TI4? What's kind of your background compared to Schroeder's, I guess? I don't want to talk too much about Schroeder. I want to talk about yeah, you, yeah. but like, what's, what's your background <clears throat> with TI?
4: Schroeder played TI3. I started with TI4. I bought it because like, I have a gaming group, like friends, and there was going to be one too many people there, so I needed a six-player. Gotcha. And, and then we tried to play it, and it was like we spent 10 hours and got through, like, three rounds, and it was terrible. And right. no, none of them will ever play it with me again. But I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and so I started actually listening to your guys' podcasts um, to kind of figure out how to do it. Went out yeah. online, joined the local <laughs> Twilight Imperium group on Facebook, and that, awesome. that's how I met Schroeder. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool, cool. So um, in, in trying to figure out, like, where all these different players are are coming from, I think we have kind of a wide, a wide swath. Uh, Nine of Spades' background is as a poker player. Uh, Vaunt comes at things like really, really honestly, like brutally <laughs> honestly. Yes, he does. Where, where do you find yourself on that spectrum of like honest do gooder? I'm an honorable gent, versus all the way down to like I will, you know, kill my firstborn to
4: win a game of Ti.
0: Where, where do you fall in there?
4: Um. So I, I I believe a rising tide floats all boats, so I try and help everyone at the table to fight each other and ignore me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like it's, right. it's basically my goal. So I want, I want everybody right. to be rich. I want everybody to have lots of resources. I want everybody in conflict. Um, and then I just want to kind of sit in my little space Uh, keep my slice do my thing and like build up and you know get my big hand of cards get my text where I want them and then pay no mind to
0: the Janor on the other side of the curtain right right
4: right. and I'll hold back on points a little bit like I'll on purpose kind of stay towards the middle or back of the pack and then in the last couple rounds I try and hit hard so
0: so so I guess what are the things you're looking out for so that you can hit hard right because I would say the number one uh, argument against that strategy is, like, how can you guarantee you're going to have a way to swing in the late game? So what are the things you're trying to collect throughout the game so that you have a better chance of hitting those swings?
4: So, um, there, well, it's, it's the same things everybody wants to collect, right? Sure. But action cards are big, um, right? Trade goods are big, of course. Um, yeah. And then, just like, uh, something I always, I always do, and I start doing it really early, and you guys have noticed it, is that um, I build up on my home system, right? Because... Yeah. Everybody'll have an opportunity to get ahead at some point, but I want to be ahead and have it be so hard. I like I don't care about every right. other system. By the time people notice cuz I'm usually behind up until near the end, by the time people yeah. notice I'm a problem, I don't care about the rest of the systems I have anymore. It's only the home system right. that needs to be defended. So, you'll see me like put as much as I can there just to kind of yeah. keep people off. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Well, and it, and it helps that that whole strategy of like like, I'm building you all up, and so as long as your home system is always defended, when you're putting your money into a neighbor, they're never going to look at you as a target anyways, because why would I attack their home system when I could go against the other neighbor's home system that isn't defended? So if you if you shore up good defenses, your boat isn't the one that can get right. sunk. And <laughs> and
4: this guy keeps making deals with me that help me to go do what I yeah, need to do over here. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So So you definitely prefer
0: being these the not just strong factions but you don't seem like a barony you love the Jolnar Hakan path you you want the you want the the person who's got a lot to offer not the one who swings hard
4: yeah I, I also i also really really dig the Yasaro. um i haven't gotten a sure. player in the tournament oh, but but i love them because they're so i don't know tricksy. you know and they usually yeah. have oh, a lot they can do right you know like, style. Yeah. would you yeah, would definitely. you like a sabotage cuz i have a sabotage if you need a, you yeah. know like,
0: <laughs> We can we can make this work, right? Yeah. Um. So so let's do just a little bit of details on on each of your games, just to kind of get a better idea of of like where you're coming from. So you played Jolnar twice. <laughs> um, you not only did you play Jolnar twice, but in a tournament where Jolnar was played, I don't know, maybe like four or five times. I don't have the exact numbers, but very very few times did we ever see a Jolnar. So. And I know in the first game you're the one who got them into there. <laughs> I don't know why
4: they let me get them. They like they left them right. till near the end. Yeah. So were you were you
0: planning to be Jolnar, or were, what was kind of the intent there? What's what's going on?
4: No, um, every one of these games. So I'm not afraid of playing powerful races. I'm not afraid of playing against powerful races. I don't care what I have. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because you're really playing the people more than the board anyway. So if someone else is a bigger target, that's great. For me, um, that's kind of the way I play. If someone else is a bigger target, that's great right. for me. So I was, right. put, I was putting in these powerful races on purpose. Like, hey, yeah, let's let's put in Jolnar that first time. I forget who I put in the second time. But, you know, let's put the big ones in so that someone, everyone else is focusing on them and not on me. But they yeah. lo- they left it way too late in the draft. Uh, and I think I got Jolnar and I got position. So I got, like, the best slice and I got Jolnar. Yeah, you
0: were, you were a slice <laughs> of the gashlight like- and Jolnar on the prelims map, which was – I remember – that was like game four, so it was still early in the tournament. And we were like, we we thought this wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah, I we, didn't... Prevent it.
4: we were supposed to prevent this. I don't know why they let me do that, to be honest. I mean, they were good players, but they, they really let me kind of get away with it yeah. out there. And by For the sure. time it got there, I was like, well, I have to take them now. I mean, I can't. At this point, I don't want anybody else to have them if they're still available. You know? like, right, so.
0: right, right. So a big part of your strategy is building up other players. Then what what went wrong in the uh, in the in your semis game you you are a crucial element in the only elimination of the tournament did you just get too enticed by the idea of eliminating someone that you kind of abandoned or did did, did you see that same value in eliminating them did you think it would boost up somebody more than yourself and they would become the target what was kind of the intent or was it just like a I really wanted to see it happen and had to see it through. Uh,
4: you know, I really wanted to see it happen. It was exciting. Of course. It was exciting yeah, to I see it too. happen. Yeah. So I, that's, that's why I did it, and it was a huge mistake. It's not my strategy at all. It's not where I'm comfortable. Right. I mean, I ended right. up with, like, if you look at the slice I ended up with, like, after Vaunt took all of mine. Uh, but if you, if you look at the slice <laughs> I ended up with, if you look at the planets I had, I had mine. And then I had um so I had Joel and Gnar, and I had like one other little planet there. And then I had yeah. Starpoint New Albion on the other side of the board. And right. then and then I had the Barony Homeworld, you know, which is yeah. which is a great like, you
0: didn't have a slice, right. you had like a peppering of great systems <laughs> right. everywhere. They were they were really good,
4: but it was hard to kinda of make a game out of that at that point. And Absolutely. I and it let Vaunt run away with everything. So I well, mean, you can well, see I was just... trying to help him, you know what I mean? But then I didn't expect him to come encroach on me so much.
0: Right. Yeah, he, he pushed further than than maybe you anticipated. Yeah, and I think it goes to show comfort zones are a big deal because of the two other games where you employed the strategy you're familiar with and the one you like, that's where you came out on top both times. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a non-starter to say, like, if someone kind of abandons their MO, you know, just to see how it's going to work, well, it's not where you're comfortable. So... So getting back into the knockouts your your Hakan uh was the Hakan choice certainly like nobody can give away stuff like Hakan can. I mean who <laughs> who were like your primary targets for fueling
4: their war machines? So all right so with Hakan um there's a few things. One was uh I was sitting next to 7 and I play with 7 on tabletop simulator really often. He's a great player. Yeah. He's Right. He's more of a, he doesn't have the same play style I do. He's, he's more aggressive right um, So it was important to make sure other people were threats like right away you know <laughs> like, so that and, and at the end of the game he was the only one who could have stopped me too with where his fleets were. I mean he's that guy's awesome props to seven sorry, I know it's right. not about him, but he's he's a great player. He's fun to play with um, but yeah so uh, so he was sitting next to me so I knew I was going to maybe have some issues there. Um, they had you know they had we had Sol and Barony sitting next to each other, so I wanted to give them plenty to work with. You know, and then I always try and make my neighbors happy to keep them out of my stuff. So um, that's the, you know that's all four of the other people that were at the table. So, um, but 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 that soul that soul and barony, especially like right in round one, they like went off into a secret conversation, which like put all of us on the table like mm. You know, like- well, it's going to be a problem. you know. <laughs> so so uh, it was kind of easy to help people to want to attack them instead of like look at me. And I stayed at the back of the pack, like the back of the pack until like the mid game, right. you know. And like my big strategy was A, have Quantum Data Hub node and B, move everyone else up the ladder until we got close to the end and then just get ahead of them. Like just be, I just right, had to be a little right. bit ahead of them.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, and I, I think that's a big part of it. Is is having the stuff already in place and just always being present in the end game, right? It's kind of the Nalu approach almost. I don't know if you are a Nalu player. I love the that Nalu. That is how I <laughs> imagine a Nalu player to be. Where it's like I just need to be in the running at all yep. moments and have the route to the victory so that I've got a
4: path to get there in the end, right? Yeah, Nalu is another one of my favorite races to play for sure. Yeah,
0: and and I think um, the 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 whole incident with seven sort of goes to show why that is a valid strategy and i think it's an interesting thought uh, experiment sort of to to figure out like how can we reevaluate um what the end game looks like in ti like ti is if, if you want to be pretty good at it you need to like play optimally the first five rounds yeah if you want to be great at TI you got to know exactly how to handle round six or if it feeds into round seven that sort of situation right yeah so it sounds like you're the kind of player who really really aims for that round six scenario where it's like I'm gonna find my way in to have the right stuff in the final round but I'll never I won't fall behind before then
4: right I don't not too far behind I'm okay with being a point behind the pack or something like something I can make up with one imperial round I'm okay with um right but I don't want to be too far back and i mean usually yeah, i have usually absolutely. I have a pocket you know um secret objective I've already scored that I just haven't played yet. you know what I mean, so I'm just kind of sitting on that waiting for <laughs> the right round to play it
0: for sure well, that's awesome I think that's a that's like about all we've got the time for, but i'm I'm looking sure. forward to see what kind of swings you can you can pull off in that final game uh if you've got any you know Big. I, I want to hear your your throwdown for Schroeder. Uh, <laughs> someone's got to represent Chicago in this kind of <laughs> that, game. That's right. So let's hear it. What what do, what do you have to say against your arch nemesis?
4: Ah, uh, yeah, no, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna have to take him out at the knees. That's uh, I mean the guy the guys beat me live every time we've played live. I think I might have gotten him on TTS once, maybe. He he keeps spreadsheets. He could probably tell you better than me. But <laughs> this time, this time I'm gonna get him because otherwise I'm gonna hear about it for like the next two years. Janor,
0: thanks so <laughs> much for coming on the show today, and and we can't wait to see you in the finals, man. <laughs> the rising tide sinks all ships. That is like Janor's whole. Mo that that's Mm -hmm. everything he cares about that's his that's like his number one strategy almost to a fault i would say right which because the the way Jaynor wins he played as jolnar in his first game and he played as hakan in his knockouts game and both of those Mm -hmm. games are very much defined by sure he was this great faction with this great tool set but he beefed up somebody else so much that they were the target And and he or or more importantly, like in his Akon game, multiple people were just still ahead of him. And then he had quantum data hub node, which is this great, amazing tech. And yeah, you come out on top when everybody's even uh, Mm -hmm. and you have quantum data hub node. So so and Hunter, you you thought of this little uh, analogy. Well, yes, we talked about the white hat, black hat, brown hat kind of logic puzzle. Right, uh, and without breaking the whole thing down, being like black hat is what like the best player and usually wins, but as soon as you introduce a brown hat element, it throws all these things off. So tell me about why Janor is a brown hat.
1: Well, it's it's not that. <laughs> It's based on on your description of of the interview and and all that I've seen of Jane playing. It sounds like what he's trying to do is he's going to show up to the gunfight with the brown hat already on. Yes. And like he's wearing it. Like he picked it up specifically. Hi guys, I'm the brown hat. Hello, I am (laughs) the brown hat. And then he's going to specifically try and engineer a situation where... He is going to brown hat win that right. is that sounds like the goal, which is uh, I think compared to maybe some of the other players we've talked about thus far, a little bit headier than it's, like it's headier, it's also
0: way riskier,
1: right 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 so
0: the, the Janor's victory, the way it looks is somebody else looks like they're definitely going to win, and we the commentators, have completely counted Jaynor out, but then the whole board jumps on them enough because they're just such a big target, and then Janor is there on the other side of it being like, ah, see you all committed too many resources to deal with the problem that I caused. Right. And now I win because I, I was his, his mentality is I will gain from their growth and -hmm. you will all deal with their growth. So they'll get knocked down a peg and you will expend resources to knock them down a peg. And I will have spent nothing and only gained from the, from the end result. Right. Uh, So his win looks like somebody else is going to win. And then nope they got crushed and here's Jane or ready to win it pretty decisively.
1: Well, then I, I guess we would say (laughs) the flip side of that is pretty obvious. Pretty obvious. I would say
0: the most obvious, which is like, he gave way too much to one player, and they mm. never got put in check, and they just win. If we right. have if we have a finals game where there is a runaway victor, it will be because of Janor. That's my prediction. <laughs> I, I, I don't see any other situation where the finals is a runaway victory, because I think these players are so tightly matched. I, I keep saying this. I think we're going to have all players at nine, and it's going to be like this horrible, disastrous final round where it's like crazy things happen you know like Mm -hmm. support for the throne crazy things i think our last round will look like that but the one thing that stops that is Janor just like paying somebody off so much that they they completely run away with it
1: yeah well just just to put it in the context of what we've seen in the tournament thus far what do we mean with this in in the games that people have watched um in in his prelims game he kind of fettered yeah research agreement like it was right like just worth nothing. very little well
0: like yeah yeah i mean he, or you, worth whatever you I had don't remember <laughs> i don't remember like what his actual deals are but i know that he's the kind of person who would give up research agreement for like two trade goods
1: mm-hmm.
0: right which for most people would be like two trade goods you can get so much more i mean it's you know a tech is worth four dollars whatever like research agreement can get so much more but he'd be like oh one or two trade goods whatever you got i don't care i want you to have right it. see I, he, I i get he's, that he's, like, logic one step sometimes. away from giving stuff away for free
1: yeah well, yeah. I mean, like, because the thing is, your promissory notes don't, they're not useful to you. So if you're right. not trading them, then they're right. not, they're not worth anything. Um, well, cool. Uh, this, I love this. Um, so our next, are we ready to move on to our next, ready. Uh, contestant? Yep. Our yeah, next contestant? Our next contestant. <laughs> our next contestant on who wants to be a space cat peace turtle? Uh, <laughs> is uh, Schroeder. You just
0: just gave away the prize.
1: They become the third
0: host. Oh, right, yeah.
1: Well, actually, they don't become the third host. They're going to replace me because I quit. Um, (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) You have to do this with somebody else. No, actually, it would be scarier if they replaced you because it would be like, oh, no, do you know how to edit? Um, (laughs) And if they don't, anyways, uh, Schroeder. It's Schroeder time. Schroeder, what can you tell... Tell us a little bit about about John first. Let's get to know John, and then let's get to know the Schroed. What, what is your background? What do you do, John?
5: Yeah, all right. So I am an actuary. So I mm-hmm. am in the Chicago area, and I am an actuary. So actuaries do a lot of a variety of things. So anywhere from figuring out when you're going to die to figuring out why you should pay more or less for insurance or just, you know... Figuring out how much insurance companies should save to pay for all their claims. I happen to right. fall into that third category of actuary, so I don't technically figure out when you're going to die, but I know when you're going to die.
1: Right, right. He can figure out. He's a kind of death clock human <laughs> in the yes. form of a human being. Yes. Uh, well, that's great. And, 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 John, how do you feel? Do you feel like... Uh, what do you feel like is your style of Twilight mm-hmm. Imperium? Like, all these players are bringing yeah. such a distinct... Style to it. What what is the Shroud school of Twilight Imperium?
5: Work with people. Mm-hmm. So, in my personal opinion, true um, it's true that everyone is you know your competition, but right. I feel like the best way to get ahead in Twilight Imperium is to make more deals than anyone else. Because if you make a deal with another person and you both gain one benefit. And then make a deal with, with another person, and you both gain one benefit. And you right. do that more than anyone else. You're going to come out ahead. And so that's what I always try to do.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. And I would I would say in watching your games uh, that you out of out of every player, uh, you consistently make the most deals. Um, and I would say none of like they're not disrespectful deals. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, they're they're always very you know if if they're in your favor. There's either a very obvious reason why it would be in your favor. Like, for example, you're the one holding the trade strategy card or whatever. <laughs> um, or if, if, there, if there's something you're throwing out to somebody else, I just feel like you always have a really uh, either fair price or if, it's, or if it's unfair, it's just slightly. You never make a deal that's like, ugh, that's, that's, how dare you even propose that? You know what I mean?
5: Yeah, well, the reason why I try to do that is I, I do strongly feel like that can translate into the meta. Like if you're right. making a lot of fair, night like, deals with people, people are going to want to work with you more. I think.
1: Right. Right. Um, and I, I feel like you have a very good understanding of like, of leverage. Like when mm. you can make certain types yeah. of deals with people. Let's go ahead and talk about. So in your prelims game, I would say, um, you were prelims game number ten. Yep. Um, I would say out of, out of the prelims, it's one of the more interesting ones to watch. I'll mm-hmm. definitely go on record in saying that. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, there's a deal that you made late in that game that you had to go back on. Yes. Uh, can you tell me a little about that, that situation?
5: Yes, so this is my infamous deal with the Arborek, where I yes. promised to give them my Spy Net card so that they could take uh, political stability from me and mm-hmm. keep Imperial. And then I additionally promised them that because I had the remaining three sabotages, mm-hmm. I would not sabotage right, their plan of imperial. Yes, and so in this deal, uh, I was desperate for trade goods, because mm-hmm. I needed. I I was in a relatively high influence slice, and I needed to uh, do the primary of technology, and so I really wanted a bunch of money. Uh, right, right, and so. Ultimately, a lot of people felt like this was a pretty king-making deal, which is ultimately why I went back on it. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But (laughs) I thought at the time that it was going to be completely fine. I thought that they were going to either lose or not be able to keep their home system or Mm -hmm. lose Mechatol Rex. And so going into the deal, I thought, eh, it's fine that I'm doing this.
1: Right, because it's not going to matter yeah. because they're not going to be in a position to win next round, anyways. Yeah. But then that was not the case. <laughs> uh, and then so you, so you did have to kind of infamously now yep. uh, sabotage yep. the, the political stability. Um, now, uh, I what, will, one I, thing that I, would have
5: been really fun and funny mm-hmm. is if after I gave them that, if I had sold a sabotage to someone else <laughs> <laughs> and had them and do it. Oh, wow, yeah,
1: because then you could just be like, because it's for the game, so they would have to do it. Like, they would have no choice. It would be a kickback situation for them. Yeah.
5: Uh, That would have been a funny way.
1: You did did reveal to everybody that you had all three, so they would know that you had some. So it would kind of be an even situation. But um, I will say this. I feel like in the show lately, Mm -hmm. we have kind of given you a bit of a reputation for... (laughs) for breaking deals yeah. and I want to kind of use this opportunity to kind of clear, clear that up. I feel like you just make more deals than probably anybody in the yeah. tournament. Definitely anybody in the finals. You are, you are the deal. You make lots of deals constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the style of player you are. And, you know, we're, we're talking about this wood deal that you didn't break. But what about <laughs> all the deals that you kept, which is yeah, like yeah, yeah. all of the rest of them. And there's a lot. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of wanted to be fair uh, and just say that, even though it's just what it comes <laughs> down to is the, the deals that make the best stories are the ones that you break. Yeah, um,
5: and, and I I think that Matt has said a couple times that like he he sees a little bit of himself and me. Uh, oh, for sure. He makes a ton of deals, but I will say you know I do feel like I try to keep my deals more than Matt might. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Also, Matt, uh, the thing that you do really good mm. that I think Matt could learn from is keeping the deals uh, reasonable. Mm. Matt always at least makes one or two heinous deals. Um, And when you do that, you kind of lose a little bit of standing in the meta. I really like what you're saying of like, oh, I just make a lot of fair deals, so people want to deal with me. Yeah, yeah. um, Another thing I feel like you do is there's a lot of clarity in your deals. You generally already know what you want, uh, what it's worth, you have a reasonable price for it. I don't know, like you, you just... You keep all of that stuff really clear, um, and yeah, it's it's been really uh, fun and exciting to kind of rewatch your games and take a lot of notes on you as a player. Um, Thanks, I'm curious though, who do you who are you looking at in the finals as far as like someone you might be threatened by or someone you're think you're trying to figure out how you would uh, how you're gonna play off against them?
5: Magi, yeah, right,
1: right. yeah, me too.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Magi, Magi, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah.
1: That's I got all my gear on. Um, <laughs>
5: Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: Well, what do you feel like about Magi makes him, uh,
5: like makes that. So for one thing, I always feel like it's hard to get a read on Magi. So he uh, doesn't talk as much. You talk a lot. Magi doesn't talk so much. Yeah, and and so he, like, one thing I try to do is talk with players a lot and give them information of mine, and then oftentimes they'll give me information in return. I f- right. And I feel like, you know, that helps me make better informed plays. I feel like that's tougher to do with Magi. And then, in addition, just because of how the fact that it's hard to get in a read on him and stuff, it makes me worried to make deals with him. And making deals mm-hmm. is my entire thing. So, right. uh, so, yeah. not, so not only is he a great player, but I feel like his style almost plays against me.
1: Yeah, I... I- I think that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, players that tend to talk less uh, are not going to really come into the meta of a player that likes to talk a lot. Um, I do feel like you both have something in common. Mm. Uh, me and Matt were actually doing this thing where we were trying to put every player on the D&D alignment uh. thing, um, which was kind of stupid. But, uh <laughs>
5: Well, you guys are also going to uh, put, put us all into Dragon Ball Z characters, so.
1: Oh, yeah. No, we should. That actually would be. Uh, that's yeah. actually more fun because there's yeah. more options there. Uh, but I think you and uh, Magi, of, of uh, the things that you two have in common, I feel like is you both understand mm. leverage a lot. Yeah. In that. Um, I mean, we have a very good example of a deal that you went back on because you didn't like, you made the deal understanding like, oh, I have the advantage here. Yeah. Um, so I'll go ahead and make this deal. And then if it doesn't work out, then, well, I don't have to hold to it. Yeah. And I feel like that's like a, an understanding leverage kind of thing. Um, which is very, I feel like similar to Magi's like, I will make a deal with you, but I understand the timing window mm. of what makes it binding or not binding. And then I'll hold back on it. So I feel like you both kind of understand that, yeah. um, it's just that there's a difference of uh, you are kind of always working that meta, whereas Magi, I feel like kind of only... I feel like if Magi's talking to you, it's, mm. it's bad because I mean, <laughs> he probably has leverage over you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. If, if he's making a deal with you, it's because he's already decided that he's got the better end of it, mm. basically.
5: Whereas if um, I'm making a deal with you, it's because I think that we could both benefit, I guess.
1: Right, right. Or, or, maybe, or, that,
5: or maybe I have leverage or maybe yes, I have like exactly yeah.
1: exactly so yeah i would say that you guys have that in common yeah. well uh, i'm super excited uh, for the game obviously um, is there is are there any other pl- i i hear that you and Jaynor have some uh, some history together you guys play together yes. in real life correct
5: yes we do so yeah. in in chicago we have a twilight and pm facebook group that organizes some games and i have not yet lost to jnor
1: Oh, okay. Yes. So we're not scared of Jaynor, basically. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Well, it was uh, super fun talking to you, and uh, I'm really excited about the game. It'll be cool to see you there.
5: All right, yeah. Thanks, Hunter. Looking forward to it.
1: So my kind of takeaway of Schroeder's style, um, and I, I feel like we have done him a bit of a disservice uh in the sure. show, yeah. uh, is that I, what, and it's going to sound like I'm doubling down on that disservice right away, but, but, <laughs> uh, but listen to me for a second. He's like a used car salesman uh-huh. in that, you know, nine times out of 10, he's going to sell you a good car. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and it's probably even his a reputation good deal. is on the line. He's not right. going to be able to maintain his business. Right. If he's, right.
0: He's got to sell good cars and make
1: good, you know,
0: he's got to get good Google reviews.
1: Right. Right. Uh, and, and yeah, see, the, and that's the thing. The stereotype of the used car salesman is no one can survive just always selling, like, nasty, awful cars. I right. mean, actually, people can, but but for <laughs> the sake of argument, let's assume that they can't. Let's assume the market does actually punish right. uh, bad bad behavior. So, like, nine times out of ten, I'm just going to tell you, Schroeder's going to sell you a good car. Right. But, but, <laughs> but when he sells you the bad car, it's going to look the same uh, right. from the outside. You know what I mean? Like like his his pitch yeah. it's gonna it's, sound exactly like change. all the times it was good right uh, be, uh, because i think I, I think schroeder is a is he loves the deal he's a man of the deal of yeah. of all of these players uh so they're they're all kind of across the the, the board as far as right. uh, how prone they are to deal making he he, uh, he read the president's
0: talk- book cover to cover
1: right oh, i don't even know what that means but uh what do you mean by Sorry. that actually the president's book. What's the president's Hi. book?
0: Donald Trump wrote a book called "The Art of the." Oh, deal. the he art didn't of the deal. Write oh, it, right.
1: It's okay. Okay. Well, we got yeah, past he, it. We made we made it here. Schroeder is not the Trump of this group. Uh, he 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 <laughs> is a used car salesman, not the president. Okay. Uh, he's Bonk he's a, is the president, as we right.
0: have clearly determined.
1: Right. Um, but uh, I I would predict that you're gonna see uh lots. I mean, he he loves to make deals and and. A lot of the deals are are they're mostly good deals. They're mostly deals that like you. I would think you would be kind of foolish not to take them up on them. If if they if the needle in a Schroeder deal leans towards Schroeder, it's only by a little bit, and yeah. and it's almost never insulting, right. Um, However, one thing I think is interesting about Shredder is he does, I think, deal make well into the late game, yeah. which is something I think a lot of people kind of don't do or like the deal making kind of slows down. Well, as the-
0: here's what people do. I What I've found, and, and maybe not even speaking of any of our other players, but just players we saw in the semifinals and prelims. A lot of people get into that late game and they go, I feel like I'm king making. I got to walk away. Right. Shredder sees that as an opportunity for more deal
1: making. Right um and i would i would be surprised if we did not see um a late game very odd schroeder deal uh, yeah. he he has made odd deals in the past um and i expect there to be some very strange deals um yeah it it especially in in uh, in that late game and i think i think the the kind of folly of all this uh obviously um if you know if people are kind of stonewalling if if they're Mm -hmm. not which i which honestly when it comes to deal making in twilight imperium i if somebody's got a good deal you gotta say yes i mean like you can't say no um but uh so i think like there might be an issue with that i also feel like there could be a situation where schroeder makes a deal that he believes is uh going to pay off correctly uh, yeah. even if it's like a pretty wild deal um, and then he might accidentally make a deal to cause someone else to win right. um, he did actually co- he did actually commit to a deal uh, in his prelims game that would have given someone else the win he had no intention of fulfilling it right um, <laughs> but it did come up as a possibility and you know what I mean like I'm saying that that Schroeder is a deal maker has the imagination to possibly accidentally give someone else the right. win with a deal. That's right. what I'm saying. Right, right.
0: Well, and it shouldn't be taken away that, like, he won his other two games as Asarl and Sardak Nor. Right. Uh, right. You had a point about his, his version of leverage that is kind of important to his play and also kind of to Magi's play, and we didn't talk about it with Magi either, but his, what is it, like, inherent leverage? Or what was your... You had a
1: term. I, I feel like... We were talking about like, oh, like Schroeder, Schroeder has got a pretty weird set of factions that he won with, Isarl, uh and Sardak Nor. And I know people are like, Isaril, Isaril a great faction. Uh, they did not perform well in the tournament. Okay. Yeah, Outside they of did like- very badly
0: in the tournament, actually.
1: Right. Like, like Schroeder, uh, Schroeder d- did well with them, but like it, we saw lots of very, you know, a lot of crashing and burning with Isarl. Yeah. Um, so what I'm going to say is, and Sardak Nor is not traditionally a faction you think of when it comes to deal making. What I'm saying right. is that Schroeder is, like, I don't, I think he could probably find the the deal leverage with basically right. any faction in the game right. Right. because he is that into it. Right, and um, he milks
0: it for all his worth. Like, in his Sardak game example, he sold Teclar Legion just,
1: like, a million he, times. Right, right. He'll he'll get that out there. I mean, I guarantee you, whatever faction it is that Schroeder's playing, he knows what they can push around the table. Right. And he will push that a lot. Yeah. And and for yeah. for whatever the actual price of that thing is, too. He's not right. he, he can't make anything up, uh, but he uh he does prioritize that. So I right. feel like we'll probably see a lot of interesting deal making and uh you know we'll see if it pays off let's see if he can deal to the win. See if he <laughs> he's yeah. already done it twice he's uh, also it's it's fair to mention schroeder is another player that we our have not player, seen yeah. lose yet yeah we right. have we have not seen him lose either
0: yeah so well let's let's check out uh our fifth player mage yeah All right. I'm now joined by our—I don't know what this order is going to be. I'm going to call him the fourth finalist. It's probably like the fifth finalist you're hearing from. But this is Mage. Mage, say hey. Hi, guys. Hello. How's a boot? <laughs> uh, I—I I, want to—I want to start to get a framework for uh, what what your approach to the game is, and I think you've been one of the harder players to get a grasp on if there's anything crazy going on, and I think because of that we've realized that there isn't there isn't anything crazy going on and, and so we've we've kind of nailed down all these things about each specific player but i think mates, you might be the larry bird of ti and it's just all about fundamentals with you <laughs> um so how, how long have you been playing uh, ti whether it's ti4 ti3 anything like that
6: um well let's see i uh, i played my first game of ti3 maybe like eight years ago and i just thought it was cool that you could build Death Stars, really. Uh, and right. I played play that uh, like a, you know, that, that was really my strategy. I was like, I'm going to get these big ones, and then I'm going to make a lot of Star Wars quotes. Um, and then, uh, so that was like eight years ago. You know, it's hard to find a group to play. So uh, I picked it up again maybe two years ago, TI3. Uh, this was like right before TI4 came out. Um, and I found uh, enough folks that I thought would be willing to play. So we played, you know, I got TI3. We unpacked it. Um, Made a bunch of mistakes for a couple of games. Played it for a little <laughs> while, um, and then you know it was it was fun. And then um, TI four came out, and my future wife bought me that for a birthday present, and we switched over to that. Awesome. Um, so that was like right right around when the when the game came out, uh, sure. and it was better. And we you know it was more streamlined. It was a lot easier for newbies, especially with like the the way the boards were designed and stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you know we've been playing since then, maybe about once a month the first year i guess cool
0: um so it's it's important to note that you are uh you're based out of australia right now which means for the tournament's sake it's been very hard to schedule you and so you had um, I believe it was your semis game was like incredibly terrible. For oh yeah, you. You that was brutal. So, what time did you have to wake up for that semis game?
7: Well, it
6: started at four a.m. So you know, um, <laughs> to be honest, I was actually up much earlier because you know when you have like a really early thing the next day, it's like the same thing as like an airline flight. Like you just yeah, I just like woke up. I was like, oh no, is the time? Am I there? Right. So right. Uh, I woke up at maybe two a.m. and then just pounded a bunch oh, of my caffeine. Gosh. And um, I think I overdid it on the caffeine, too, because I was <laughs> both, like, tired and really jittery. And then, you know, as the game drags yeah. on for, like, eight hours, it's just, right. I was wrecked for, like, days afterwards. I was, like, trying Absolutely. to get my sleep back.
0: Um, yeah, I think, you, I think you had it worse than just about any other players. We had a couple European players that I know had to play pretty late into their evening. But, but nobody, I don't think, had to wake up at such, like, a terrible, disastrous hour as you did. So I mean, so like, apologies on this being an American-focused tournament. But you're the only non-American in the finals, even though you are technically an American. Yeah. So that's fun. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, last year, it would have been a lot easier. But, you know, it's fine. Right. Like, there there are worse things to wake up for than a fun board game. Yeah.
0: So. So, so, Mage... Y- your first game was defined by just a a a a slow crawl to victory i think in even in the commentary i kept being like oh l1 could win this round it's round four or something i was like oh man this is gonna be great for him and then you took it slow and round five it's like okay well l1 could definitely win this round and you still took it slow and then you still come out with a win in round six and your knockout game was defined almost by the same thing of like you're getting your points, but you also took out a home system in, what, round two or three? Uh, yeah, I, I think it was uh, No, round four. Yep, beginning oh, of round four is what I've got. I uh, tried So, it took f- out a home system, round. and then later took out a second home system. But walk me through uh, the first home system grab, because I think that's a pretty important one to, to kind of get at what kind of player you are.
6: Sure, yeah. So, um, I think I, I actually made a play for it. So, Mantis was... Uh, who's the, um, the Nalu uh, right next to me yeah. on, the, on the right, was um, he made a few plays to try to use a, the Gravity Rift right in front of him to, I think, take Mechatol Rex or just expand, and it didn't go so well for him. Um, and then I thought, well, you know, he's left his home system pretty open. Um, I think the round before, I made I, I attempted to bring a, a Dreadnought and a carrier in there uh, through the Gravity Rift as well to try to take his home system, and it didn't work. The Rift ate my Dreadnought. Uh, and right, then his right. PDS and Fighters just took out the rest. Um, so that was, you know, that was the first, that was the first attempt, uh, and the next round uh, through that agenda phase, I think um, Mantis did succeed in taking Mechatol Rex just um, by being spread thin. So through that agenda, I was able to take um, Minister of War. Um, right. That's right. That was really helpful. Uh, normally, I think folks probably save that to the end of the game to like, you know, do a big play for some major objectives. Sure. Um, but instead, I decided. Well, so I'd played with Mantis before in the um, in the uh, semifinals, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. and he was quite good, uh, and I was quite worried about that. Um, and also he had two PDS in his home system, and I needed four for a secret, and as the Lizard's right. I could just go in and take them. So uh, I thought it was reasonably, you know, it made a lot of sense, it was a pretty efficient move to try to take his system again. Uh, I had a bunch of dreadnoughts in the area, um, and I also had Minister of War, and I, I think there were super dreadnoughts, so they could move too. So it made sense to just, you know, the system right next to him which just had one fighter and then go on straight in and take his home system um and he he didn't have enough to stop like you know the two or three i think it was three yeah 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 it was great (laughs) it was a lot i i'd actually you know in my mind i was actually thinking oh and i can just bombard him to dust but of course he has pds's so i i only was able to take one out of the two home systems right right Right. so
0: so you see mantis is strong you know you want to take care of him and you get something out of it i mean it was a pretty tactical precision strike good timing for it and everything and I think in general, what that goes to show is just like like we said, you've, you're Larry Bird because you've got the fundamentals down. I mean, like I said, in your prelims game, you had three rounds in a row where you probably could have won it. And each round you took kind of the safer route just so that you wouldn't lose your chance, right? Because if, if if any of those first two rounds you had launched yourself out at some sort of win, that probably would have shot all of your chances if, the, if it fails. So you sure. always are just like, nope, I got to stick to the plan, stick to what's safe, and stay up in the pack, which you always are. I feel like you are always tied for the lead, in the lead, or like you know one point behind. But you're always there in the running. So at the end of the game, it's like mage is always an option for the win. Um, and I, I noticed in knockout game three, which you were a part of, it was very, very few uh, deal making. Uh, do you, is that customary for you, or is that kind of a tabletop simulator thing for you being kind of a just a quiet precision strike, get the points where I need him sort of player?
6: Well, I I do tend to lean towards the just, you know, uh, quiet, focused. If if I see a deal that I need, like I really need to accomplish something, I will. But it's not my normal play style. Like um, if you also notice, I actually, in the knockout game, I banned Mentak. And if I can, I'll also ban Hakan. Uh, right just because because
0: you don't you got to get that stuff out of your way right
6: yeah i just it's a lot harder especially like in a real life game It just take it makes the game take like three hours longer and in a a tabletop simulator it's just a lot harder to get a sense of um part of the reason why i'm playing so carefully right rather than going for like a big win in an earlier round is i don't know the other players i can't read them and i don't know what they're going to do and i don't know how quickly they'll jump on me if i jump ahead so right. I, I think, you know, when I don't know in an uncertain environment, just play it safe um, seems to make the most sense. So, so yeah, yeah, like, I, you know, I, I'll only deal if I really need to. And then when I do, I'll try to make sure it's a very straightforward deal. Um, even if it's non-binding, I'll always keep it. I, at least I have I right. think in this tournament. Um,
0: yeah, I think you have. Um, and and to, to all that end, too. Uh, so you're, you're not, you know, out there making crazy deals and trying to, like, ransack people for all they're worth but it's not like you don't talk and and if anything i would say you're kind of probably one of the like nicest most jovial people at the table um i i kind of feel like you're you're the fan of the people just cuz you're there <laughs> to have like the funnest you're you're you even though this is a tournament there's still a part of you that can't escape the like I want to have a fun game and I want to have a good time and I want to be able to get along with these guys. I'm not looking to make any enemies even if it's across the internet. I don't even the, what's funny is I say that, but you took out two home systems. <laughs> but you taking the sole home system was certainly not this crazy tactical advantage. It, it was a little bit of a different case would you say
6: oh yeah no that the soul the mantis i think i had a good tactical reason the soul system you know i guess i i did take another player out of the the scoring running and in a five-player mm-hmm. game that's um that's kind of cool Big that deal. there's now. Yeah. yeah there's only two players left but i don't think it was the best action but i do think it was the most fun i could have had at that moment and, <laughs> like just trying to take you know as lizics especially right taking two yeah. Out of the five, like, having three home systems under your control out of five is just is kind of fun. So, yeah, like, I absolutely. had an option. I had a flank speed. I could jump over there. It was open. And, like, uh, yeah, it was just too fun not to try.
0: Yeah. Well, Mage, you're the people's choice. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't wait to see what you guys all pull off. Uh, and I can't wait to see... Uh, you know what what optimal plays you get and and if if the people's choice if the person out there still having fun is able to to get a win in the big in the whole tournament so I wish you luck and and thanks for joining us on the show today uh, i I alluded to it in the interview uh, I, I just I see mage as this player who I think he plays every element of the game I think like, we just talked about Schroeder puts a lot of value into the deal-making side of it. And Unaligned Magi puts a lot right. of pressure on the plastic side of it. I think Magi is maybe our most well-rounded. Um, Mage. Mage. Did I say Magi? That's yeah, been, you said that's that. That's been screwing me up for, like, literally two weeks. Uh, right. Anyways. But, yeah, I, I think Mage um, really just plays everything that he can in the game. But the key for him is... He takes the the rule of uh, you should score one victory point every round. He takes that pretty seriously. He sees that as his like avenue to definitely always stay in the running. And so for him, he'll push himself very, very far to do that. He wants to always be climbing up the leaderboard. He doesn't try to do any of these weird manipulative plays where it's like, oh, I'll stay behind a bunch and then swing. You know, he just he stays in the pack and is always there. And he always needs to be scoring and what we see from him is that that can leave him fairly thin. And so when it works, it's he pushed himself as far as he needed to go, and he got all the points he needed to do, and he kept his flanks secured, and he made deals when he needed to. It, it, you know, he's, he's not doing things on just honor. He's making good, solid deals that, that pay off. And that leaves him in the late game in like an unstoppable position of like oh he just now he now he has too many points and too much stuff he's spread out but he actually then managed to fill in that that spreadness like that's how his wins look like
1: yeah i i we have seen him gain an advantage and then push it mm-hmm. and and to the extent where I mean, we have commented games that Mage has won, and we have at times felt that he was pushing his advantage too far. Right. Yeah. To we where were it afraid was afraid he to, was going to risk it. Yeah. Right. Um, to where it was maybe going to bite him in the butt, and uh, and I think that's what his loss will look like. If If, yeah. if he loses, it's going to be because he gained an advantage, pushed too far, and then what do you do? You know, if you if right. you if you overextend yourself, uh, right. there's so many. Honestly. And I, I we didn't talk about this before but I he actually kind of remind playstyle he kind of reminds me of you a little bit Matt. Oh yeah, actually. absolutely. No no yeah, no, absolutely. Like,
0: it's it's that same mentality of like if I'm not scoring a point what am I doing? Like I fe- I just feel myself falling behind. Right. So I have to do something. I got to push myself further to make sure I'm not losing my traction. Right. And that causes sometimes that's the right choice to make and you stick with it and you end up in the lead. Sometimes you get ahead of yourself and you, you just start making crazy plays because you think you got to do something and it's a complete horrible Hail Mary pass that doesn't work at all. And you're left
1: completely floundering. I mean, you're just
7: done. Uh,
0: Yeah. That's happened to me many times.
1: Right. Yeah. I think, I, I I think you, you two, that actually feels so correct to me right now. I I think you guys both have this, there's this moment that, uh, that we saw in, uh, the knockout game that he won where he had taken a home system, uh, his neighbor's home system, and mm-hmm. then he took his neighbor's neighbor's home system. Yeah. And we were like, what is happening? One, one, yep. and And I feel like, it really reminded me of there have been times when i have watched you play or i've been yeah. in a game with you and you'll have pushed an advantage and it will have paid off and then you'll do something and be like matt is being really audacious today and i'll <laughs> be like well, this is whoa okay yeah. and i'll just kind of look around and be like this is right. pretty wild right um, yeah and to give to give
0: mage more credit uh, and the reason mage is better than me and deserves me in this finals is because then when things do crash and burn for me i become a A big big old baby and i start throwing a hissy fit whereas mage is like always having a good time and always like the center of the table of Mm -hmm. like just keeping things jovial and nice and i i honestly think he wins a couple allies every game because he's just like hey let's we're having some fun here today man and let's just keep this going and like
3: in he's got a good too. He's got good a good tood,
0: and that literally does earn him some favor in games. I've seen people just more willing to let it's it's not that people will like make extra good deals for him because he's being a nice guy, but they'll let him do crazy stuff, like go and take Soul's system when it doesn't maybe distinctly like people could have really hurt him. For doing that, but because what he was doing was so crazy and fun for the table they were kind of like I want to see where this goes I'm willing to let him kind of play this out and mm-hmm. then he makes an advantage out of it
1: yeah 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 that's that's exciting let's uh Ooh. well we've only got one more Wow we're almost done Wow I actually just kind of realized that and was like yep. oh but bomber uh, not-
0: this is this is like the basically outside of the game itself this is the last thing we're gonna have to say about that's not true we're gonna do like a wrap-up episode we'll be talking about this tournament for six more months i'm sure. yeah i also feel
1: like we you might be hearing from a lot of these people again yeah uh, even possibly even and uh, i mean one of them i feel like you'll be you'll definitely be hearing from soon <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: right. one of, them, one one of is, them is going to win this game and we're gonna want to talk to them about <laughs> right. it. right
7: so. yeah we're definitely gonna want to talk to
0: them about <laughs> it. all right well let's let's jump into nine of spades interview yep Okay, I've got nine of Spades here. nine say hi. How's it going? Greetings travelers. <laughs> uh, we're going to break down a little bit of your gameplay, nine. I kind of want to I want to get to the center of who is the nine of Spades? And uh, so the most important question is, why is why nine of Spades? Why is that the name? Uh, that's important.
7: Actually, a number of years ago I played poker semi-professionally and the nine of spades just happened to be like a really lucky card for me um so
0: that is such a better answer than i was yeah "Yeah,
7: around the same time is when i started gaming pretty heavily and i needed a gamer tag so um online poker it was the nine of spades most of the games that i play it's the nine of spades you know steam name stuff like that so yeah you
0: have a uh, did you have any significant wins under your belt as a poker player i mean was there any... uh
7: i played in a world series event once and i got i cashed i didn't win or anything but it was the only world series event that i played in and i oh, i cashed in that nice. so that was pretty big and then i won a couple yeah. pretty significant tournaments at home um right. but for the most part it was just cash games spending five or six yeah, days yeah. a week in the casino sitting on my butt not doing anything R- but poker
0: right, right yeah i i i keep up with poker very lightly but yeah it's always interesting to hear about professionals when they're in their like semi-pro days of just like no you just sit in the casino for hours and days and days and just hope you come out ahead of you know yeah exactly You, you go down on day two but day three and four you pick it back up or whatever you know just just that that sounds like quite the life uh well that obviously uh lends itself pretty well to twilight imperium so i'm curious how you think uh what what would you say you take away the most from your poker experience and apply to ti and then on the flip side of that what what do you think differentiates twilight imperium what what did you have to like learn about ti that you couldn't pull from your poker experience in
7: you know it's funny because in poker such a huge part is knowing when to bluff and know when other people's are other people are bluffing and I don't think I've ever made a significant bluff in TI. Like it's like just, the, yeah, it's yeah. not a directly transferable skill that I've needed to apply it. But I think uh-huh. one of the biggest skills that is transferable is thinking about possibilities and, when you're going through the secret objectives and you're trying to nail down what one that yeah. person has, it's the exact same as thinking like, okay, why did this guy bet on the turn? Right. What yeah. could he possibly really... have had? Right. It's the same thing. It's yeah, why yeah. would this guy have built a fourth PDS when he could have right. saved that command token for action cards instead? Like yeah. What's
0: it's... What's the cliche of poker? You're always playing your opponent's hands more than you're playing your own hand. You have to You have to suss out what they're doing more than you just need to have developed your own plan or whatever. you got to be always up against. I I love that too, because what it also showcases is, you know, so so many people like to apply game theory analyses to uh, Twilight Imperium. And I feel like a lot of those things break down in the same way that a lot of perfect game theory can get funky in poker because of like how big your tables can be and like always having to plan for, just all these things like they obviously game theory still applies in poker but but the fact that you are kind of having to like do the how much let's talk about the prelims game for this point I guess I'm trying to make is how much of the prelims game are you sussing out the quality of like the skill of the other players versus how much you're just like in your own plan trying to make sure everything you can do like like how much do you feel like in your prelims game did you need to account for how good your opponents were or was that a consideration and it's not just the the
7: prelims game it's it's pretty much every twilight game like you're trying to Mm -hmm. weigh how well does this guy know what he's doing is he gonna be the guy that realizes i'm going for ships and six systems or is it gonna be his neighbor or is he gonna be the one to point out to someone oh he's uh He's got to lose some ground forces here next turn so let's let's think ahead and it's really it's in twilight it's a lot like poker it's the guys that talk the most that are going to do uh-huh. the most damage right and a lot of the times it's not the best player it's the biggest wild card it's the guys that gotcha. aren't going to make yeah. the ultimate play or the optimal plays um, in poker you can read a guy and he does exactly what you need him to do to put him on a hand and it turns out mm-hmm. he wasn't doing anything that you thought he was right. and it's the exact yeah. same in Twilight Imperium like some yeah, people just yeah. throw in chaos right Right. and they'll attack that's, a home system good. not because it gets them a point but because
0: right. it it's fun I mean yeah. who doesn't like so, taking a home system so how do, how do you as a player defend against that I mean what, what do you feel like you are supposed to do in ti when when you do have that wild card and you're you're just trying to i mean obviously in in poker there are ways around it of like well i have multiple hands right i can get them on the next hand i can figure out something later when i get a good hand i can really just ruin their whole day but in ti it's harder to get that kind of like immediate turnaround right you if you get hit hard that might be the end for you so so how, how do you you know what, what do you do if you are up against a wild card what's kind of your plan
7: I think a big, a big aspect of my TI game is trying to play a social game and I don't Mm -hmm. want to attack someone and take their system or go back on a deal unless I absolutely have to, unless that's Mm going to get me a point. If it's just getting me a few extra resources and influence, then I don't want to piss someone off because they might be that wild card that just does something that I'm not anticipating. Um, so trying to build relationships with neighbors or people through mm-hmm. wormholes or pretty much anybody that can do damage to you is a, a huge part of my game, I think. Yeah. Um, and then the other part is just always be focusing on objectives. You have to be of aware course. of what objective you're scoring this round and what objective you're scoring next round and who can stop you from doing that and who can help right. you to do that. Who can
0: you help to do that so you can maybe trade? I mean, there's right. There's so yeah, many so- different things to consider. So, kind of on that same standpoint of like bluffing right you you, you talk about like you don't really break deals in t i but in in poker, it's different right you're not bluffing you're not breaking a deal in poker in in poker you're misrepresenting what you actually have, so do you think that is something that you um apply a lot in t i or or do you um, we we certainly see players that have done that. would you categorize yourself as someone who like okay i i have the secret objective to have ships and six systems but i'm gonna make it look like i have this uh, objective do, do, you, do you think that's something you yeah maybe maybe
7: in situations like that where i'm trying to throw people off my scent i might say like oh he could have ships and six mm. systems when really right. i'm holding that card you, so we saw it's exactly not possible that he instance, could have. right
0: we, we definitely saw that in your uh, in your knockout game uh, i do want to talk to then about about that knockout game you were you were Muat and, against all odds, you won as Muat. I don't think that's something any of us viewers and Hunter and I and, and Root included, like, I don't think any of us saw that coming in a semis or knockout round of, of having a huge Muat success like that. So you know, I'm curious from your perspective, what, what do you think goes into that?
7: You know, I didn't really think I was going to pull out that win.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember
7: messaging a right. friend of mine that I played Twilight with in real life right after the draft. And I was like, you wouldn't believe this.
0: I got <laughs> right. stuck with a
7: choice between Muat and Winu. My
0: game's over. Right. Yeah. So what do you do? How do you turn that around? I mean, cause, cause obviously in the finals, that, that is still a possibility. You could have, we, there could be a troll, a trolly uh, draft. What, what do you think turned it around for you? Uh, and you're not allowed to just say like the bad luck of other players. Cause we know from, from seeing the game, that's definitely, you know, you, you worked your butt off in that game. So, as soon as you have already kind of said, oh, I'm Muat, I don't know what I'm going to do. What, how did you change your mentality going forward to, to turn it into a win?
7: There was actually, I got pretty lucky about a week before the knockouts, I played a game on the knockout map where another player was Muat. And I got to see the strength of Muat on that map. And on a mm. five player map with the hyperlane in place, it's quite a bit smaller than a six player map. Mm-hmm. Lanes are condensed, wormholes connect the map a little closer. It's and true, I knew the yeah. one strength that Muat has is three movement war suns.
0: Yeah. And I love a... that too, because we've talked about that on the show and, and we're proponents of the gravity drive. But I think what you get at is something really, really important, which is it depends on the map. It always depends on the map. And yeah, I think that's a really good call to say, hey, this this map, a three movement war sun is actually going to be very close to many people. Yeah, yeah,
7: and I made that decision right at the start. I talked to Barony. I knew I wanted Mir for the red skip because I was going down Mm -hmm. red and I was getting the War Suns. Um, And then the other thing I did was a lot of people Starforge fighters, and I made an early decision to solely Starforge destroyers. And that ultimately won me the game, uh, more indirectly, but having ships in six systems, three Uh of my systems had destroyers in them. As the Great. ship that was holding that system, and if it well, was fighters, well, I wouldn't have been able to do that.
0: Yeah, and certainly if you're going down that red path, anyways, for Prototype War Sun Two, it's you know if you're if you're on the off chance you're going to upgrade those destroyers, or well, because you're already down the tech path, <laughs> much better than a bunch of fighters that aren't going to get upgraded. Definitely, so I love I love that I love that choice. Um, and then of course the other big choice being, I mean, you took two home systems that that game. Um, yeah, Now, yeah. In in. Both, in, well, so in the in the instance, um, well, uh, Hakan Hakon was the first sorry. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do this every single time I get your game confused <laughs> with another because of the position. But uh, but yeah, walk me through both of those home system grabs because neither of them I don't think are obviously to your benefit, right? It's not it's not like it's like this point is super obvious why he's taking that home system. So kind of walk me through both of those decision.
7: right so the first one was hakan's and um it became pretty apparent that hakan had five dreadnoughts and mm-hmm. um on that turn i think it was turn four no turn four was when we identified that hakan was gonna win before yeah. a, a level two secret had even been revealed yet right and then right. turn five it was like okay hakan is definitely getting up there um what could he do? And that was the turn he took his home system back from ghosts. He had mm-hmm. Imperial and he had five dreadnoughts in his home system. And he yes. had exactly five in his fleet supply. He had exactly right. five dreadnoughts. He could have left Very a dreadnought telling. somewhere to defend himself a bit, or he could have yep. left a dreadnought to try and take a point from the ghost player from Imzen, And he chose not to. And in my mind, that meant he 100% has five dreadnoughts. Like, that's right. the only reason that he secures his home system like that and locks up his entire force in his home system. Right. And on top of that, every time he talked in the background, his kids were cheering for him. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it was like that's... it was very apparent that he was about to win. So in my yeah. mind, my war sons were supposed to get me a third tech skip that uh that round. But mm-hmm. they had to take out Hakan's home system or I was gonna lose. Right. And afterwards. Yeah, and then... I did the math on that combat and I was a 96% favorite to win. And I ended up only destroying one dreadnought dreadnought.
0: Yeah. And that, and that mostly comes down to that uh, crucial emergency repairs that Hakan was able to pull out. Definitely. Huge huge deal. Um, And so then going to the ghost home system tank, that was more or less the same situation. So I guess the big takeaway for me and the big question to ask is how do you take running purely defense for the board and then turn that into a win on the other side, right? By By the end of round uh, six, you you actually are lined up for a win, where you were the muscle so often we see players where like they have to be the muscle and take out other people's home systems, but that means they're completely sacrificing their chances for the win. So what did you have set up on the back end? Uh, how much work did you have to put into having everything available for you so that you could sacrifice three war sons for other causes? and then still get a win.
7: Yeah, it was definitely some planning. Before I got the ships in six systems secret objective, I had win a combat with your flagship, and the, the Muat flagship is a terrible flagship. <laughs> oh, it sure. is yeah. really rough, and I didn't have a single fleet within range. Um, on turn five, I had taken warfare, so I was, was intending to use um, warfare on that flagship to win a combat with it, but then the ship moved away, so now... I'm even more stuck uh, and ended up having to move the War Suns out with Warfare anyways. But um, I was trying to think what secret objectives haven't been scored that I could draw. Ships Mm -hmm. in six systems was definitely one. Blockading was definitely one. Mm -hmm. Um, Four of the same color was definitely one. There was a few things that were running through my head that I was trying to line up for. And everything that I needed required command tokens. So on the last turn, when someone popped leadership, I bought eight command tokens with every influence and resource I needed. I didn't need to build more ships. Um, Warfare was getting popped super early, so I couldn't... I'd already built the War Sun in my home system. Yeah. I didn't need anything else. I just... I needed command tokens. So I ended up buying eight command tokens, and at the end of the game, had one spare... It was a bit of a lucky draw off the secret objective for sure to give me that ships in six systems, but I was trying to account for as many unscored right. secrets as I could. Well and
0: and I think that's what goes to show how, how well that can work is is you you know, you had set up for that if that were gonna be the case, right? Like it you planned for multiple objectives to be the ones you, you would feed into, and so there, there could have been multiple stories where uh, you know, the you got the secret objective that would have been easy. It's not like Uh, ships and six systems was the only one that was going to get you something easier to do. Taking a secret objective in that final round is the smart decision. Getting six, you know, (laughs) getting the ships in six systems objectives is like getting the ACE on the river, right? Right. When you need it or whatever, It's, it's that same story of just like, I stuck around. I made the bets I needed to make early on to make it to the river. I took the chance on getting that and I got rewarded. And, and I think that's a really, um, interesting and important point to note for people is like you've got to put yourself in the situation to be able to have the good luck if you don't do it you're not going to get good luck exactly so you got to take a couple risks every now and then how many well, times nine. have you been
7: in a game where you take someone's home system and they say why are you doing this and you say well if you win i can't
0: right, right.
7: so yeah, you're just exactly. setting yourself up for success later exactly
0: now and i want to thank you so much for coming on the show this was this was great and uh we cannot wait to see you in the finals.
7: All right. Thanks, Matt.
0: So my favorite fact here is that Nine of Spades was a former professional poker player, which I continually see more and more connections between poker and TI Mm -hmm. than like any other game. Um, Because while TI is a board game, I still don't, I think there's so many things that are at the meta level that it becomes the same way that poker is a card game, but it is way, way, way more than a card game. And you don't, when you play poker, you're not playing the card game. You're playing your opponents. Right, And right. that is Nine of Spades' secret to his success, is is successfully playing his
1: opponents and reading his opponents. Can I make a connection to another player that has to do with this? Yeah. So I I feel like, uh magi at times unaligned magi has had a critique of ti uh, and been kind of critical of it because of the the rng in it yeah um and that uh and and i i feel like he's kind of come around now obviously i mean he's playing in this right. tournament he but he, that, that i think used he to likes be the game he, right
0: but that used to be he he stopped playing ti for a little while because he was sick of right just the craziness
1: and and the the rng of it but i think this kind of poker comparison has to do with that RNG quality to this strategy game. Yeah. Uh, Because obviously poker is very much an RNG. I mean, you are gambling. It's 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 entirely entirely, gambling. (laughs) It's literally entirely RNG. Right. Um, So, yeah, I, I feel like those connections make, make a lot of sense actually.
4: Yeah. And I actually love
1: that we have somebody that is from that world. Right. Literally.
0: Well, and it's perfect because it shows that he embraces that aspect of it. Um, so I think the thing we can say about Nine of Spades' win, if he should win, is it's going to be some of the best TV. It's yeah, going to be just a really good show. I mean, his, right. his win in the knockouts was the best win of the tournament, right? Like, I don't feel like I'm being rude to other players when I say that. He fought tooth and nail, and he did crazy things and came out with a yeah, win with I, the Embers of Muwat.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if, if anybody... I don't know if 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 anybody in the tournament kind of like Ugh, about about that. I mean, he won as Muat. Like it, like right. That it that's something. That's something that we're like that nine has kind of already claimed is right. that he got he got a win at all with Muat mm. in the tournament, right? Um, and that it was in the the semi final, right? As, like par, like part of it. It was in the yeah. knockout, but uh, but still the semi finals that we got our Muat win, which right. was just wild. Um, yeah. And his but, his prelims game was wild. like they yeah, were they were both. He, he was a yin that just held on for his for dear
0: life now he mm-hmm. he got he got some luck there too, right? and and that mm-hmm. is part that is an integral part of his storyline is that like sometimes he he needs a little bit of luck. He needs to flop an ace on the river. Mm-hmm. and sometimes you get it. So you know it's it's not that big of a like, Thing to say like you know luck can help the the difference is nine of spades knows when to play into luck and when not to right Right. it's it's being setting yourself up for in situations where the luck can help you rather than just like I don't know I'm playing and then sometimes I get lucky he he seeks out lucky opportunities
1: I want to real quick because I I don't want to emphasize this aspect of him of of him too much I want I want to say that the thing that that I really like about nine of spades style is uh his eye on the other players um as far as like he does a very good job of of keeping track of there's just times when we've been commentating and nine will be almost it's almost like he can hear us i right. mean he can't but like but he'll, it feels he'll, like it he'll call stuff out that like we're talking about yeah. dynamics that we're seeing and you know all of these players uh, have the ability to look at at another player's setup and like read them. Right. Um, but it is it is hard to play a whole game of Twilight Imperium and keep all of that in your head. Right. Um, I, especially on TTS, people have a tendency to get stuck in their own little world there, um, and that I. It's kind of wild sometimes nine's ability to read the other players as far as what objectives are going for or even what they meant by that thing they just said. Yeah. The, the Hollywooding moment. Is that what it was, Matt? When yeah. he called somebody out for...
0: Well, so we, we've gotten that backwards a couple of times, but there, mm-hmm. but there was a moment and, and now I'm getting them mixed up. There were two distinct moments and the Hollywood thing was somebody else. Oh, okay. I believe. But the more important one, which I'm pretty sure was Nine of Spades, was when, and we didn't actually really do a good justice of calling this out on the episode where we described it, but there was a moment, and I think I just said this in the interview, so this is probably a repeat, but uh, there was a moment where Kraken was talking, and Kraken has kids running around. He's got Mm -hmm. a bunch of kids at his house, and uh, you could just barely, I mean, I I say just barely, I wasn't paying attention to it, Mm -hmm. but apparently his kids were going, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Because he was about to win the game. And he he had clearly leaned over and said, hey, I think I'm going to win. I think I'm actually going to get into the finals. And Nine of Spades caught that, caught his kids going, hey, wait, we should be taking a closer look at what Kraken has going on, because he clearly feels really sure in his own victory. We need to figure out what he has at his disposal. Mm -hmm. Time to send both of my war sons into his home system, because I see that he has five dreadnought. He caught that because of this completely above the table read. Yeah. On on Kraken, uh, which is just huge. I mean, you you could vary his Kraken's kids were yelling and talking and hanging out the whole game. So to sp- I had completely tuned them out. But right. for Dinospates to constantly have the awareness of like listening to Kraken's children mm-hmm. to catch things, it's like
1: a whole other level. And and the thing is too, I mean, this is I I can say that I I mean I just messed up a good Yin Brotherhood game the other day uh, because of. This very aspect, we we were in a situation where we had uh, it was a game I was playing with Root, actually, and several yeah. uh, several Patreoners and some people that had joined in, and it was super fun. But but uh, Nate Naderade is, is that something? Yeah, Naderade. So Naderade was playing a soul, and uh, he was at nine points, and uh, I I. I had a path to win myself, but it had been ruined because I lost a combat that I had a 90% chance to win. Um, <laughs> never mind. I, I don't need to talk <laughs> about it. Why is that? That's not what this is about. The point is, um, we had, we had. And I say we, but like the table was kind of teaming up against Sol. Uh, his, he had lost his home system, and we were kind of trying to figure out like what, what secret objectives could he have. Yeah. and uh we messed it up and he had one like he had right. the. it was an easy one too it was like one ship and an a an alpha and, and, and a beta oh and, and i'll tell you why we missed it though because we had ghosts in the game and they had a creas iff token uh-huh.
0: and i feel like i there. looked at
1: that and then didn't think about the creas iff right that's funny. but still i'm saying like not it's as good at this thing and i like i i've messed this up people mess this up like yep. be, like it's hard to For read sure. other players
0: well, and it's, it's one thing to be like, I think they have this, and another thing to be like, this is exactly what we should do about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's the big difference for me about Nine. Plenty of players can be like, hey, guys, I think so-and-so is getting too strong, and we should do something about it. Nine of Spades gives you the plan for exactly how to deal with it. He yeah. forms coalitions against other players and, and leads them, doesn't just tell other people to do stuff. He he goes out and does stuff, or he'll pay you to do the thing to stop it, because he knows that's the only way he's going to get the win is if that person gets stopped. Other people will just throw up their hands and be like, if nobody stops so-and-so, he's just going to win. But it's like, well, then make some effort. Do something about it, whatever yeah. you can. Fuel someone else's war against that player, or
1: whatever it takes. That's, yeah. that's what Nine of Spades pulls off. Um, I, I, I want to say something about all the players real quick. Uh, yeah. something, a quality I think that they all share is a lot of clarity in how they uh, speak when they're playing the game. Oh, yeah. um, that a lot of them are very um, specific when they're making deals about what they. I mean, I I've specifically called this out in Troder. Uh, yeah. Magi is very economical when if magi is making you a deal uh there's not a lot there's not a whole lot of talking normally involved it's it's normally pretty straightforward and and a lot of these players are are like really have that in common and i feel like nine does that on a level of like it's all pretty clear what he's saying right um and he is talking to talking about other players game states and everything yeah and Um, i think
0: all of that is is a is them being especially good at ti4 on tabletop simulator they know mm-hmm. the weaknesses of the meta game in TTS and they have found that what they have to do to combat that is to be incredibly clear I don't right. think you would I don't think you would have to see all these players speak so clearly in just a home game where I can pull you off to the side right. real quick and make a deal and we can be talking about it gradually because we can talk over and under each other mm-hmm. when one person can only talk at a time you need to get your words in your, your time is very valuable
1: yeah um, that's that's something I really admire at them. Uh, we kind of skipped the part where we talk about na- nine losing. So we yeah, need to yeah. imagine that. Yeah, So we, real we, quick. there
0: is there are flaws to nine of spades thing, which is he is at the end of the day still a risk taker, right? He's still playing. He's a poker player, and so sometimes you don't get that ace on the river. He will yeah. make a big play, and sometimes the all the dice can roll wrong, and and you can you can fail, and he, you know, we we've seen him recover. But obviously there are situations where just, like, you don't recover from that. And he's not... Nine of Spades is not one of those players who, uh, like we saw with Mage, Mage played L1 in both games, and in both games was was pretty static in, like, I'm slowly accruing points. I'm not going to go out and do this risky maneuver. I'll just hope to win the next round or the next round. If Nine of Spades has a shot to win in round five, he's going to take it. Mm Mm-hmm and that might ruin his chances of winning if he fails to get it
1: yeah uh i I think regardless uh his his game will be uh it'll it'll be fun to see how things uh play out for nine absolutely uh, i think uh, I, there's a lot of different ways to kind of group these players up uh and uh, like we w- there was a point even where we were making like different. We were being really grandiose about how we were yeah. going to do this episode, and we were making sure. like, different like continuums and like yeah, putting and the players and, on different things. Um, right. But I would say if 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 Magi is a very consistent player, like trying to, it's like he's a, trying to be a computer and playing yeah. Twilight Imperium like that. Uh, nine is a very like on the opposite side right. of that spectrum. Right. Yeah. Uh, I put and,
0: here's I'll, I'll, I want to just break them into two groups, yeah, right? Sure. I want to say nine of spades. Schroeder and Janor lean into the meta and rely on it, mm-hmm. whereas Mage and Magi don't. Vaunt is a little bit there in the middle. Vaunt's yeah. using the meta, but he doesn't rely on it. But Mage and Magi are are much more like I'm playing the plastic game. And Vaunt has has that element to him as well. So, right. right. Uh, those those are my two distinct groups, and I'm glad that we have such an interesting makeup there because that's going to make for a good fight. Oh, we're going to see all of those philosophies. But heads now, and yep. uh, I'm yep. pretty pumped to uh, to see how it goes down. But that comes later. That's on
1: Saturday, Hunter. What were those times again? Saturday, the game starts at two thirty central, twelve thirty Pacific, three thirty Eastern. The pre show will start probably around eleven thirty Pacific, you know, one thirty central, two yeah. thirty Eastern. Um, right and and i i say it'll be around there yeah, somewhere that's, that's
0: in there. a soft window. definitely by two we'll be game up and running
1: you know what if 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 you want updates watch uh you know watch our social media i mean yep. we're we're probably about to do the rundown soon but like ch- just keep an eye on on us and you can you can follow our um twitch if you want to just go ahead and get prepared yep. that way you'll get the notification, you get notification the second the second we go live um, I I believe we will probably start the day with uh me, EJ, Root, and Matt on all on stream. Yep. Um I I would hope to be able to to steal Matt or Root at times. Um I don't actually I don't know how stealable Root will be because he'll be recording the game. Yeah. Um but it's it's gonna be fluid, it's gonna be fun, um, and we are gonna see one of these players um win. And and I gotta tell you, they they all have a lot of. They're all very quality players. I don't have a um, prediction.
0: Is, I, at the end of the day, I do not have a prediction about who's going to win. I, I. We just I made really a case for either. all of them, and I see every single one of those situations
1: being a viable. Yeah. Case. It, it, and any of those things could happen. Um, it's you know, it's at the end of the day, it's uh, it's still Twilight Imperium. Right. Um. But I mean, the these players are also very uh different from each other. The mm-hmm. the way that they play is very different. Um stylistically there are a lot of connections you can make between him them uh as players but there's also a lot of things that that really separate them um yep. and i think a lot of this this is like a kind of fun test of uh those philosophies i yeah. will say that uh not to kind of i mean i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of talk of this what me and you have a lot to say about the idea <laughs> of running a tournament. Yeah. Uh, but to kind of just get it out there a little bit, I do think this whole idea is flawed. I think uh, that might be fair to say <laughs> that to, now, just to really
0: undercut the whole point of
1: all of yeah, it, yeah, just is,
0: it was a bad idea.
1: It, it's not a no, it's not a bad no. idea at all. Um, I I I love the data that we have because Absolutely. What, what we have that like you're not going to get anywhere else is we have a lot of data that we collected over people playing. Um, for the win. Games for the win where they felt there were s- real stakes, yep. you know? Absolutely. Um and we're and 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 the way I think of Saturday's game is the the completion of that arc. To, yep. This Saturday is you know, it's <laughs> I mean, I'm saying there's real steaks. There's not it's not real steaks. These these people are not playing for anything. You do get real one real material. steak
0: shipped to you and you will get steak seasoning no. and all of this. We, I will ship you a box
1: of steak. Oh, we uh, should we should so. buy them a, a <laughs> Oklahoma Joe's barbecue because you know they you know they ship it anywhere. That place gross. is great, by the way. If you guys are ever you think hey. that's gross? I think we that's should. great.
0: I've never had Oklahoma Joes. You can rate you haven't Oklahoma had,
1: Joes. Are you on- <laughs> serious? You haven't had Oklahoma Joes.
0: Hey, uh, we're on iTunes. Uh, we're also on lots of podcast apps, and we would love it if you rated us on any of those podcast apps, but especially iTunes because it's the big one. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, we'll we'll post on Twitter when we go live. That's at space cats Pod. Uh, You can also find us on Facebook. We'll also be posting about the tournament uh, for Saturday on the Facebook Space Cats Peace Turtles. Uh, We will continue doing posts on the tournament. I'm sure we'll try to have a bunch of wrap ups. If you you know, what's fun Uh, on on the Twilight Imperium subreddit r slash Twilight Imperium. I'd love to hear other people's breakdowns of the finals game. Uh, People are always posting stuff about games they played. If you're hanging out with us on Saturday, not to like completely barrage maybe we'll do like one global post of people talking about the game after it's been played or whatever but mm-hmm. i just i think it's a great place for discussion we always have a lot uh, you can do all that discussion also on our discord uh find the link in that twilight Imperium post for this podcast episode uh discord is also where you can get patreon benefits we have a patreon uh and it's how you can contribute to the show uh, not only financially but with your financial contribution, you get perks to help contribute to the show from a kind of production standpoint. Right, we have right. Galactic Council where you can vote on upcoming episodes. We'll play games with you if you're in the Goodyear Brotherhood. You can produce a whole episode for yourself if you're in if you're one of our Space Kitties. Um, so please come check out our Patreon. Also, I want to call
1: out one specific thing with with uh, the Patreon real quick. Okay, um, because there has been, I think, the most neglected um tier has been the Steve Martin fan club. Oh yeah, this tournament is, has been terrible for the Steve right Martin so, fan club. And and that has not been uh that that has not been great um because we have not been able to do a lot of the stream content that we love to do. Yep. Um so the Steve Martin fan club haven't hasn't really had a lot to do for a while. Yep. Um that era is almost over. over. I mean like, I'm
0: literally I'm literally like trying to plan a stream for the weekend after uh, April yeah. 20th. I don't, I don't have it set in stone yet, so I wouldn't necessarily mark four twenty, baby, but on, but on 420 we're going to try to play a game of TI and live stream it. Uh, and hopefully we can do more of those. So we'll be, we'll be hitting up the Steve Martin fan club. Hey, I also want to thank our space kitties. Uh, I want to thank yeah. Kraken, Billy, TG Welch, Yin for life, patience is a virtue, Dursta, Naderade,
1: and Jim Bob. Yeah. Um, and uh, just so you guys know, next week uh, I at this point of the show whenever we're doing the the patreon thanks I I, wa- I am going to thank every single uh, and I want to just go ahead and do it now not I'm not gonna read all of your names at this point but I want to thank everybody that participated in the tournament absolutely um, every single person that played that was very special for us yeah um, it was a, a lot of work uh, it was according to a lot of YouTube comments at times we seemed tired and <laughs> moody and whiny and yeah. whiny Um <laughs>
3: Apology uh, there?
1: Yeah, uh, well, you know what? Uh, apology, but like kind of like a mean one, where I'm like not actually being <laughs> that nice about it. Because let me tell you something, I can't even tell you how much Twilight Imperium I have watched now. Right, right. Like Hunter, some you of and you I, brag about how much you've played. Yeah, that's fine. Totally that's fine. <laughs> get it. I've watched right. more than any. What's funny is
0: you, me, and Alec uh, Root have probably watched more ti now than the majority of people have played and i'm not saying that as a brag but i'm saying most people do not get to play ti that often sure we have forced ourselves to just
1: watch it for 25 games now oh my god (laughs) and and some of those games were 10 hour games so it's like i don't even know where to start with classifying how much time it was yeah it's a big one and I and you know what it's it's so nice though because I'm I'm very excited for this final game and I can tell by my mood about it and that I just had coffee um, that <laughs> I am going it's just going to be so enjoyable yeah, you know I can't wait I it's, can't wait it's very exciting um, so well, please please come check it out 12:30 12:30 P- Pacific 2:30 Central 3:30 Eastern. Check it out an hour early for the pre-show if if you're into that kind of thing, but we are kicking the game off at about that time.
0: Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.